Who would you? What weapon would you rather have? Chekhov's gun or Occam's razor? Dylan, you did this exact same joke. I before. did. I've edited this out more than <laughs> once. I am out of material. <laughs> oh, but what? But seriously, what did you say? I can't remember. You said first of all, you said Dylan. You made the joke of Occam's gun or Chekhov's razor, which was so funny. I took it out of the episode. <laughs> See, this is the thing. Is if I'll leave it in. I'm leaving all this oh, in now. God. If my jokes in. are too funny, Ryan takes them out. <laughs> what you guys don't know yeah. is this is like... You're, this is like Chelsea's the funniest person on this show because I edit Dylan all the way out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You just Occam Razor oh. both of us in the throat. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC box set rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens, episode number eight. We have not yet been canceled from the internet. We are still going strong. My name is Ryan Drake, coming to you from my bed in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I am joined, as always, by my two best friends, the only two people I'd want to open a restaurant with. Starting with, uh, let's start. Let's start with Dylan. Dylan Irwin this week. Hello, Dylan. Oh, How are you? I didn't have a, a quip prepared because I'm so used to going second. I'm also coming to you from Ryan's bed. Um, yep. I would love to start a restaurant with you. I uh, I want us in to my bring bed. yeah in your bed. Um, and it 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 you know have gourmet dunkaroos it, and that's all that we serve. It, it'll be great. But yeah, but I'm doing well. To an- to answer your initial question, I'm doing yeah, great. You literally, you literally didn't answer my question, and then said some dumb bitch shit, and now here. We- <laughs> and now you get to pick up the pieces. Hi, everybody. Exactly it's great right. to yeah, be yeah. here. It's welcome back to Cohen's the podcast. Hey, Chelsea and uh, Chelsea Trinidad in Tulsa, Oklahoma. How are you doing? Well, I'm laughing to myself because I'm realizing if the three of us were to open a restaurant together. Um, First of all, I never would with you guys. I'm smart enough to know you never you never mix uh, friendship and business. But also, I'm pretty sure I'd be like the Caleb in the situation, and I don't know. I'd feel like figuring out something, footing the bill, but then figuring out some conniving way to like screw you guys over. I don't know. I don't know. Just, just you know, you can own yourself, and it's okay. I'm totally wow. <laughs> You know what? If you can't troll yourself, you can't troll anybody else. I feel like I am the Sandy and he's the Tate in the situation, so it makes sense. Um, yep. Okay. We have uh, <laughs> we have four more episodes of the OC to dive into on this episode. Uh, this is disc number question mark. Dylan, where are we at here? I don't know what disc number this is because I don't do numbers. I do know that this bears two images. This is the oh. Tate, Donovan, and Julie disc. Uh, so we get two people Ooh. on a single disc, and I mean, considering all that's packed into this disc, I think it does need two people. Tate and Julie disc. I will just say before we get too deep into it, like the Tate and Julie like interactions that exist on this disc are incredible. I even had notes about how good they are with each other, even in their post-divorce life. Their chemistry is so natural. It really is. They're both such good actors in different ways. Like Julie's so good at being the bitch, and Tate is so good at being like lovable. Like whenever, the lovable chump. <laughs> the, like whenever whenever she's being a bitch and he has to be kind of a bitch back to her, it's just really great. That's the superior Tate Donovan, I've decided. Much like Luke has so many different versions of his personality, a couple of which we meet on this disc. I wrote the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Tate also has... <laughs> Tate contains multitudes. Uh, yeah. You guys want to get into it? You, wanna, you just want to start with uh, episode number 21, The Goodbye Let's Girl? Let's do it. Oh, yes. Let's do it. 
Episode number 21, The Goodbye Girl, features Sandy Cohen on screen for 7 minutes and 43 seconds. Dylan, what else do we need to know about this? It originally aired on March 3rd, 2004 to 10.27 million viewers, and it was written by a podcast favorite, and by podcast favorite I mean I like him, Josh Schwartz. And what an episode this was. So, here's what you need to know. The sun is shining a little brighter in the Newport sky because unlike Birdie, we love to see Anna go. (laughs) That's right. Everyone's favorite wispy-voiced meddling waif is heading back to Pittsburgh for almost entirely food-related reasons. But that's not all. Teresa decides to become an honorary noopsie. Marissa is introduced to Zen Luke. Caleb Nickel is Newport's man of the year. And to celebrate, there's a fight in the Cohen's backyard involving not one but two in Chinomen. So put some swordfish on the grill and rub some restorative ointment on your chin implants. It's time to say hello to the goodbye girl. Wow, Dylan, stellar job, as per usual. Thank um, you. I just want to say off the top, before we get into this specific episode, we're going to talk, I just want to say about this disc. You guys both said that you liked this disc or that it was intense. I didn't love it. There's. I just have a lot of questions about this Teresa Eddie situation I I just don't understand it again it's kind of similar to the Oliver thing where just a lot of things happen where I just go why why did that happen like what is the situation Um, we'll get into it I'm sure but did you guys like this episode um, I loved this disc, and the reason why I loved it is because I feel like we're getting some of the best uh, Seth and Summer that we've mm-hmm. gotten certainly all season, but really this version of Seth and Summer that we get is very true to who their characters are for the rest of the series. Yeah, I, I really... I didn't love this episode, but I really liked the end because I don't want to spoil it too much. I thought that the the goodbye to Anna and Seth's whole approach to it and watching him work through that, I really thought there was a lot of good payoff in the end. But I mean, as an episode, like as a whole, I didn't love the episode itself. Uh, I just loved the end, if you will. So it was it was a reverse hereditary. Oh. <laughs> It is interesting God. that we say Fuck that movie. That we say goodbye to two important characters on this disc. Yeah. Um, while we're here, and since we're, while we're talking about it, um, I know that uh, I know what we're supposed to say is the musical moment of this episode. We're supposed to say it's the not a surf cover of "Don't Leave Me" mm-hmm. that plays as Anna leaves in the airport. I cannot, in good faith, as a Death Cab fan, not say that the musical moment of this episode is a lack of color yes. by Death Cab. Oh Cutie. my god! Yes. I love that all three of us have that down as a note because yes. I just—I mean, it was a beautiful moment. Um, if you leave is just like freaking—I mean, that—that—that's such an important moment in the uh, OC canon. But I'm glad you gave that other one a good shout out. It reminds me a little bit too much. The 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 use of the cover reminds me too much of the end of Not Another Teen Movie when they have some the somebody's baby cover playing, and it's like the exact same kind of scenario. But I have a weird memory with the Death Cab song. I remember this was the first time I'd heard a lack of color. And the first time when I was like, and don't judge me too much, the first time when I was like, okay, I'm kind of into this death cap thing. And I specifically remember that the precise moment where it turns from that, that finger picked guitar into the strumming and Ben Gibbard starts crooning. And I, I just, in my mind, whenever I hear that song, I see Sandy Cohen walking up the grass to talk to Kirsten, who's drinking by the pool to this day. So 
this is absolutely a music moment. And I think this might be the first time that Ryan and I legitimately agree about something on this podcast, which is huge <laughs> in itself. Also interesting, Dylan, that you brought up that Not Another Teen Movie cover of Somebody's Baby, because as you said it, I was I remember it and I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure I know who sings this. And I just double checked it to make sure I was correct. That is a Phantom Planet song. Phantom Planet did that. Cover. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's really cool. There we go. All right, let's get we should probably get into the episode. Yes. Okay. So right out of the gate we have some great Seth and Ryan banter, uh, talking about his kiss with Teresa, what kind of kiss it was, some of my favorite lines in the episode, whether it was a Christina Madonna peck, a Britney Madonna smooch, or an Alan Tipper Gore lip lock. Um, I think that those are amazing <laughs> units of kiss measurement that should always be used. Very um, timely. But, uh, very of the time. Oh, yeah. But thing, things get a little bit awkward because Teresa shows up and, you know, decides, I'll take you guys to school. It's on my way to whatever it is I'm doing, which we <laughs> learned do is it. nothing. It's on my way. I'm taking the day off from unemployment to take you to school today. <laughs> and they're all cool about that. But then all of a sudden, Marissa shows up and she's saying the same thing. And we have a little bit of tension in the room. And, of course, as uh, is with as, as par with the OC, uh, both of the women end up leaving and Seth and Ryan have to hitchhike. Could have taken the chicken truck they took to the, the, the Mexico motel. I have this vision of bad boy Ryan getting on his bad boy bike and then Seth jumping on his pegs and them just riding to school that way. I feel like that would be Does she cover his eyes kind of like Marissa did? Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's... We're all about safety here on uh, on Cohen's pod, and I don't approve of that. So, um, of course, Sandy does the dad thing, except he's not actually Ryan's dad, so it's awkward, and he's trying to figure out what Teresa's deal is. Is she going to go back to school? What's going on here? I'm trying so hard to not do a Sandy Cohen imitation, so I'm just going to move on. Um, flash cut to the school, and we get an Edwin McCain crooning style of Luke. I call this... Oh my God. Uh, this is Zen Luke that I, I'm this referring to. This is incredible, to Luke. Um, it was such a vibe. I refer to it as perfect, Luke. <laughs> yes, and he, um, he it's Marissa so, has it's such a vibe. Mm-hmm. Like he's sitting in a courtyard, oh yeah, casually strumming his guitar. Like I don't know, did people bring guitars to high school? I don't remember that part of Dylan high school. definitely did. I did. 100, oh 100%. God, you were that dude. Yeah, why did you? Why did you bring a guitar places? Like we went on a like a, a weird <laughs> college retreat, and Dylan was like, "Oh, I have my guitar." Like. Did you bring them to frat parties too? He thinks it will get them laid. I mean, it probably did. I'm going to say the answer to that question is is, is is a question back to you, which is how many people sat and sang along when that guitar came out? Oh, I mean, if, if we were even at college age, that was just an easy, easy yes. No. So, okay, fine. Fair point, fair point. But at high school, if you sat and sang, people would think you were a fucking loser and they would be correct. Oh, absolutely. It's like when you bring a, it's like when you're a dude and you have a dog or if you're like a young dad and you have a baby, this is just like the first, <laughs> this is like the first version of that where it's like, oh, something I can talk to this guy about. Let's go. Um, anyway, guitar. So, something important about this scene though, is that, um, I'm glad that they kind of showed Luke and Marissa having a conversation because it reminded you, oh, yeah, they dated for like 10 years. You know, they yeah. have a history. They have a tenderness about them. And because we never got to see that as a viewer, we kind of only saw angry Luke and then she was with Ryan. Um, oh. I think that that was an important reminder to kind of reset and recalibrate the stakes here. I have this note that just says this is the beginning of the end because Luke is becoming too good for Newport. He's just, he's too pure, <laughs> this version of him. And so it's bittersweet. You can tell that like his, his arc was over. Like at this point, he's just there. Yeah. 
I just um, wish he could have stayed. But he did, he did talk about like, like once you tell yourself you can't change anything, then you'll then you'll move on. And I was like, that's just like kind of a flexy way to tell Marissa like I, I've moved on. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And he's basically just telling her like I don't care about you anymore. <laughs> do you think? Holy. Do you think Luke could potentially also be one of the goodbye girls? Oh no, because he doesn't make his exit for a while. <laughs> don't Sorry. pretend like that. Don't pretend like this is profound, Chelsea. Yeah, this is that was dumb. I hope we kept well, in all the, five the minutes why, of silence. Okay. Well, I will. I will say I I made that reaction because I'll I'll be honest. I was I was looking down at my phone at a text message. That's why I kind of it, it took a while to like absorb that's, in my head. That's my role. I'll be real. I'm not. I'm not a complete moron. Um, I didn't just, you know, <laughs> laugh at Dylan's terrible joke. <laughs> anyway, okay. So oh, wait, um, I have a question quickly. Do yeah. they not drive themselves to school every day, like Seth and Ryan? Do they all? Do they have a ride to school every day, and we just don't ever see that? Like, I don't understand why they couldn't just drive themselves. I don't think that any, either of them technically have a car. Um, okay. Or maybe I think they're always driving Sandys or driving Kirstens. Yeah. Okay. Or it's just some kind of shared family car. I don't know. It's 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 some it's some one of the adults' car. Yeah, the, the car serves its purpose. They have a car when they need one, but when it serves the plot, they don't. So we're in the school now, and uh, we find out that Caleb is on the cover of Riviera Magazine. He's been named Man of the Year for totally mm-hmm. legitimate reasons, I'm sure. Um, we also find out that Summer's dad is a plastic surgeon, so she knows quite a bit about uh, plastic surgery. Um, so that's all good and well, but this is where Anna shows up again. Her hair is a little bit longer. Um, I don't know why I immediately noticed that, but she tells Seth that she's leaving. She's going back to Pittsburgh. And of course, Seth automatically thinks it's because of him. So he starts asking her why she's leaving. And I didn't actually write down all the reasons why she's leaving. But the ones I remember are that she misses her friends and a whole bunch of different types of food and restaurants. I wrote them down because I thought that she, like, the way she described it was incredibly beautiful and nostalgic, and she's saying this as Lack of Colors playing. And Thank she you just for doing Dylan's this... job, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she painted this really beautiful picture of, like, a, you know, the little hamlet known as Pittsburgh, <laughs> but she talks about her little dog, Swifty, that she left behind with her aunt, and peanut butter cup pie, and going to to this record store to get vinyls and she talks about the seasons and wearing sweaters and I just I thought it was like a really beautifully written little passage yeah she did not mention cleaning her feet just for the record no she didn't <laughs> she did she's she's going to walk back to Pittsburgh the whole plane thing was just a joke she's walking barefoot it's funny that you mentioned her hair because I have a note right at the same spot that says everyone has crazy hair for these episodes like, uh yeah Sandy's hair is long and he has bangs now Ryan's hair is getting really long he's got kind of like super saiyan hair um and like Marissa has bangs for like two or three of these episodes and then they miraculously disappear later it's the strangest thing. yeah um so She's leaving. She yeah. seems to be happy about it. Seth is not happy about it, which we now know what Seth's main drama is going to be this episode. Um, we also have a really weird scene of Ryan and Teresa sitting in her weird car in the school parking lot looking why through the classifieds. Car, why is her car weird? It's just, it's a weird color. It's not a weird, it's a yellow car. It's a it's, yellow old school convertible. Oh, in her weird <laughs> car, just sitting there. Going, in her weird face, and her weird shoes, like and it, her weird voice. She's in She's in the Antmobile, just looking through the wow. classifieds, trying to, find, uh, trying to find a job. But okay, so here's a question 
question that I had. Why doesn't she just keep catering? The catering gig that she was, from my understanding, this is, again, this is where I'm confused about a lot of stuff. But mm-hmm. from my understanding, she was there for a catering gig in Newport. And the whole re- the whole point at the beginning of the episode was them trying to find out what her plan was, right? Like, well, now that catering gig's over, is she not going to go back to Chino? She's going to stay in Newport. Is she going to get a job? Yeah, it's it seems pretty flippant, and it makes me wonder if there's more to her relationship with Eddie than meets the eye, because she seems really desperate to get away from this guy. Um, but I don't know. I I like to think that much like AJ, he's just a misunderstood character. Um, we'll get to Eddie later, but like Eddie to me seems like a fucking good dude. Like he seems like the most level-headed, normal, chill dude in this whole disc. Like I, yeah. a lot of a lot of the stuff surrounding him doesn't make sense to me, but every time he's on screen, I'm just like, yeah, Eddie's t- totally right. Well, it seems like he's trying to like do good in this world and make a nice life and found a nice girl named Teresa who just kind of wants to settle down. Also, in case I forget to mention it when we get to that episode, which I think is the last one on this disc, whenever they're in Chino, like <laughs> in Chino. Um, <laughs> uh, We're laughing at our noticed, own jokes. I noticed that like Eddie and Teresa have like one scene together where they're eating ice cream in that episode. But like that's the only <laughs> scene that they have together for the most part, because I realized mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, I don't know what their dynamic is at all. And they're like in anyway we'll get there it's this is going to be a weird recap because i feel like some of the adult stuff has to cross into this kind mm-hmm. of kid storyline uh mm-hmm. because of luke luke decides to show up to julie cooper's house rings the doorbell caitlin is back we get another caitlin right. sighting it's like seeing the goodyear blimp mm-hmm. um and caitlin and- is also into luke like you can tell she has a crush on him yeah it's in uh, like baby shailene and what i was thinking was funny is that when we watched this for the first time, we were closer to her age than we were the teenagers. Yeah. And we all felt oh, that wow. way about Luke, too. <laughs> Actually, no, my, my crush on Luke didn't develop until my... Maybe we decided last week the only people in their 30s are really into Luke. Yeah, that's I totally agree. I didn't think he was that cute. I didn't like his hair. But now yeah. that his haircut has kind of uh, recirculated... Yeah, by the way, you guys, for all the listeners, I'm wearing a Hype House hoodie right now. Um, <laughs> when I get on TikTok, I temporarily uh transport back to my teen years and i get crushes on um you know some of these little tiktok stars these tiktok boys yeah I, they all have that weird luke haircut with the part in what the they really do the chelsea's, a, chelsea's, a, chelsea's a cougar for the tiktok boys i know which by the way lil huddy if you're listening to me right now lil huddy like i'm down wow. i will put you on my laminated list oh my like gosh. i'm, I'm <laughs> i don't know he has a girlfriend people. What? He was dating Charlie D'Amelio, but I think they broke up. I think he like cheated on her or something. Are these, I didn't know that. Who are the are yeah. these TikTokers? Yes, Charlie D'Amelio <laughs> is like the biggest TikToker. She's like a oh, yeah. she's like an A-list celebrity now. Oh jeez. Yeah. Well, I feel 16 old. years old. Um <laughs> so we have this awkward exchange with Caitlin and then Julie shows up, and then the best exchange ever, Tate Donovan shows up with his Shakespearean like timing, and we get some pretty uh, some pretty solid lines uh, of Julie explaining why Luke is there. They're all related to computers. Um, she does DSL. Yeah, her, her DSL. And uh, and Luke came by to defrag my hard drive. It's a hell of a um, euphemism. So that's that's some pretty solid stuff, and I was very happy about that. So Ryan and Teresa are in the Little Mermaid. Mermaid Inn. They're, is that they're it? in the Little Mermaid? They're in the Little Mermaid. Um, they play Flotsam and Jetsam. No, they're both at the Mermaid Inn, uh, committing sin in the Mermaid Inn. They, they definitely they had sex. Oh, 100%. And this like, is- they woke up, again, back to the hair thing. They woke up, neither of them have sex hair. Also, Ryan woke up with absolutely no alarm at all. He just naturally woke up. Yeah, he just like, woke up. No, 
He just woke yeah. up and was like, I guess it's time to go to school, which I am very envy of. Um, Seth, of course, is incredibly self-absorbed during this entire time because Ryan is trying to explain to him that Teresa might be leaving. He doesn't know what's going on. He said, no, I thought Anna was leaving. Which one's the goodbye girl? Seth thinks everything is about him. Uh, so that is a, a terrible part of the relationship. At this point, Seth actually says, I think that, that Anna is leaving because of me. I am the reason, not the reasons she told me. It's 100% my fault. I have a question, though. Is it unreasonable for him to think that? Because I kind of think that it's an obvious conclusion like we, we never see Anna with other friends she goes to Oliver's party completely alone she doesn't have anything else to do and even they explain her being there by her saying oh my friends my my parents are friends with the you know and they like I, I think legitimately the the core four were her only friends there so is it that unreasonable that she wants to move on it's not I just want to say that I uh I didn't realize how often I brought up the Anna at Oliver's party thing until I've edited these episodes. And I realized I bring it up every episode, sometimes more than once. And I am, I am sorry for that. <laughs> it's still confusing oh to me, but I also shouldn't have brought it up so much. Uh, it's not unreasonable to think that Anna is is leaving because of Seth. I don't know. I would I would say it's more not necessarily specifically Seth, but more just like I shot, I shot a shot. There's only one guy here that I'm interested in and he's not into me. Mm. It's not like I love Seth Cohen specifically, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was just she yeah. didn't, you know, and I think she even says something like, I tried to make it my home and it didn't fit. Mm-hmm. So that's reasonable. You know, I had friends whose parents like had to move for work or something senior year at the end of junior year. And they were like, we're not going to like put our kid through changing a high, you know, their high school so late. So we're just going to, you know, the mom is going to stay here. Or the dad's going to commute or the kid's going to live with the aunt for the last year or something. You know what I mean? That wasn't that crazy of a scenario i don't think so I'll, I'll i'll amend then it's reasonable that seth could think that but i think his reaction to it was a little bit over the top it's like if it's going to happen it's going to happen but i mean or is seth actually being reasonable for the first time no. well i think th- oh, uh, all i was going to say was that by the end of this episode i was just so mad at seth i was like dude just get the fuck over it like it's not a- he was mad that it wasn't about him yeah um, okay, so now is where the drama starts. So we go back to the school, and um, everyone is uh, everyone's playing playing pool, chilling, drinking gourmet coffee, and all of a sudden, Eddie, who does not look like he belongs there because he's not <laughs> dressed in Abercrombie and Fitch, walks in and starts threatening Ryan and yelling at Ryan because he found out about Teresa. He's like, "Are you sleeping with her, man? Tell me the truth." Tell me. He's like, "I'm not sleeping with her." And then another teacher who we have never seen before waits, I guess, 15 minutes before deciding I should probably do something about this. And he walks up and he says, this lounge is for teachers and or staff and students only. And uh, Eddie, because he's a good guy, follows the rules and leaves. It is weird that he went to high school. I would never just like if if I was dating, if I was being Chelsea and trying to date an 18 year old, <laughs> I would not. And I, th- I was and I thought they were dating someone else in high school. I would not go to that guy's high school and be like, I'm going to talk to you about this in front of your everybody at your high school. Big youth pastor energy going and sitting with the kids. Oh, my God. If Eddie pulled up a backwards chair at Ryan's table. and was like, look, listen, man, let's wrap. <laughs> hey, man, how's, how's your walk going? Tell me about your walk. Is it going well? <laughs> I um. Where are you at on your journey with the Lord gosh. and Teresa? <laughs> Mother Teresa. So um, 
Marissa, of course, is trying to overcompensate and wants to be everyone's friend. Okay, I'm pushing. I want to push back on this because I have a note about this as well. Marissa is like chill as fuck right now. Like she's cool and she's chill and she's just kind of around. I, my note was just like, what's Marissa been doing besides being outside <laughs> and being preoccupied with whatever's going on with Ryan and Teresa? Cutting her own. Bangs. Outside of that, she's not in the show. Like those are the only times we see her. Mm-hmm. So it's just like she seems super chill right now. Apparently, she's like I guess she's still sober from rehab and stuff, from the therapy and stuff. She just seems like cool and normal and good right now. Yeah. Yeah. So she she says like to Ryan, she's like, I want to hang out. Let's all hang out with Teresa. And Ryan even asks her, he goes, why would you want that? And Marissa kind of has a badass speech. Like um, she says something along the lines of, I've always gotten what I want. And she didn't outright say like, I want you back in my life. But she was basically kind of like, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. And then she even lends Teresa a dress to wear to the party that night. So I don't, I mean, I was going to ask you guys about that. Do, because I don't think that Marissa was necessarily being manipulative. I don't think that it was necessarily her being sneaky. What What do you guys think? I think that this show has like a rotating, like, what's like the, uh, like the chaotic good or like the the natural, what, what is that called? Uh, lawful good, uh, lawful, like chaotic good. What's the, yeah, whatever. What's the best one? Like the best good. Lawful good. I think, yeah, okay. So I feel like that just kind of rotates around and like a lot of times it's Ryan a lot of times it's like Sandy, but like now it's Marissa's turn to be like the good person who's just being a good person to everybody. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Cause you need that in a television show. And like Ryan's being kind of, kind of manipulative in specific situations here, especially with Teresa. Yeah. Um, so he's not as good. And it's just Marissa's job now to step in and be like the good person. That's legitimately good with good intentions and like wants to be friends. I don't think she, I don't think she was being manipulative at all. Yeah, did either yeah. of you get the vibe I did on this watch through because I'm seeing more mirrored storylines on this watch through um, that that Marissa is kind of playing the role that Anna played at the initial. I'm going to help Seth get with Summer, but also kind of because I like him sort of thing. But she is playing that role for Teresa and Ryan. I, I, did you guys no, get that impression? I think it's different. I think Marissa didn't have the I think Anna wanted to hook up with Seth and her plan was to sweep him off his feet by spending time with her and making him forget about summer. And I think Marissa is a hundred percent pure intentions. Just wants to be friends with everybody. She wants Ryan and Teresa to like work out. It's because she talked to Zen Luke and she saw the, the value of the middle way. She Um, heard Luke's, she heard uh Luke's song and was like, my life is different now. (laughs) The the saving strums. Uh, there's two things I want to talk about um, for this episode. Thank you for cutting Dylan like, off right there. I appreciate that. <laughs> Dylan, me and Ryan have shit to do tonight. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, well, first of all, there there is the um, there's a storyline we have going on about Sandy and the Teamsters that we need to touch on real fast, mm-hmm. and then of course the um, you know pinnacle of the episode, the party. So let's get to the party before we get to adult land. Um, so we go to the party. Uh, Caleb is, of course, accepting his award as man of the year, which in true Caleb fashion, he doesn't really care that much about. Um, and Eddie, of course, having seen the scene that you all already described, which is they're at the Little Mermaid and the lights go down and Eddie is Oliver-like watching from his car outside, and he assumes the lights went off. That means that they're doing it. Okay, again, that's a weird Eddie moment. That is a weird Eddie moment because, like, he parked outside the hotel, a motel, I guess. Somehow he knew that's where she was staying. I don't know. (laughs) Why he didn't just go to the door and, like, talk to her, I don't know. 
why he just i guess assumes that the lights going out means they're having sex like it i've hooked up in with the lights on plenty of times i've done a lot of things with the lights off that were not sex plenty of times he just really made a leap in logic there <laughs> maybe they 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 were just playing video games they wanted to make sure that they could see the screen that's all they could were doing. Could have been that. But he's mad. He's mad enough that he shows up to the party. But before Super we, weird. Before Super he, shows, weird he up, shows up there too. So he gets he gets to the party and Teresa kind of feels awkward because she's like, don't you think it's weird that the girl that caters the parties is now at the party? And it's like, no, it's only weird if you make it weird. And she kind of did. So she shows up and there's this whole uh, city mouse, country mouse kind of weird thing where she's overhearing <laughs> people talking about getting chin implants and this and that. It's a big episode for chin implants. Um and Eddie shows up, of course, in the middle of a speech, uh, which means, uh, of course, Caleb will be able to say, what the hell's going on, into the microphone. Uh, so Eddie walks in, starts fighting, and uh, right before he leaves, he screams, you're dead, to Ryan. So it's a really dramatic kind of moment, but what did you all take from this party? Uh, super, super weird that uh, Eddie showed up. There's a lot of close swapping between Teresa and Marissa in these episodes. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong for saying this. Maybe this is a shitty thing for me to say. But Chelsea, I feel like you could answer this. Are they the same size person? No, they're okay. not. It doesn't make any sense. I don't even think that they're a similar they height. They should not be able to swap dresses as easily as they do multiple times here, right? N- no. Okay. I mean, it's it's a little bit more realistic than, say, Mar- if Marissa and Summer were. But, um, I mean, it is kind of, whoa miraculous they just happen to be the exact same size huh yeah. um the more interesting parts of this party i think you'll get to later dylan involves mm-hmm. like seth and anna so we, i'll wait for you to get to that i'll get to it right now so the other big thing aside from the chino on chino action um mm-hmm. that happens the cage fight we have anna who's coming around to say goodbye to seth seth of course is getting his picture taken with caleb because i don't really understand their relationship i think they're cool with each other i that that scene where he's taking photos with caleb i wrote seth has gone girl energy because he had like the same <laughs> fake smile on his face that ben affleck does in his photo often oh girl. my god <laughs> so anna gets there and she sees uh seth's wonderful completely not fake smile with caleb and decides that it's just too much for her to handle and she can't actually go up and say goodbye so she gives ryan a note and says i hope you give this to seth um and he says oh, i guess okay and mm-hmm. she leaves without saying goodbye to him of course eddie throws him into the pool because if there's a pool in Chekhov's pool in the backyard someone's <laughs> going to get thrown into it uh, which of course messes- since episode one they planted that seed yes yeah um he lives in the pool house it's gonna come into play so he uh he gets out of the pool the note is of course ruined uh seth is without the ability to read words um that make sense together also anna says goodbye to Teresa, which i thought was strange they'd never met before anna is an enigma and thankfully we will never understand her um actually we might understand her a little more later spoilers um also we forgot to mention that seth has been drinking champagne at this event so he's like kind of drunk i think Yes, I did not approve of that behavior because he's underage, but nevertheless, he yeah. was drinking. He was not pounding his usual Mountain Dews. Um, he was going for the harder stuff. He realizes what had happened. He gets the letter from Ryan. He can't read the letter. He freaks out. He realizes, oh, God, I have to get to the airport. Um, it's a post 9-11 world, so he has to get to her before she goes through airport security. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, he does. But beforehand, on the way, they're listening to Journey, and we get a little bit That's of a right. taste into Ryan's musical taste because... He doesn't want um, Seth to hate on Journey. So that's a great scene. 
of them in the car listening to Journey. Like Journey, I have. I mean, the notes I have were Death Cab, Not a Surf, and Journey. All three deserve shoutouts, but like Death Cab is the true music moment of the episode. But that Journey scene was great. He uh, so he gets to the airport. He talks to Anna, and um, she. You know, they have this great kind of. I say tearful, but I don't think anyone necessarily... Well, Anna kind of cried a little bit. But Anna has this amazing line when Seth is just kind of tearing his heart out and just saying, you don't have to leave because of me. You said you love me in this letter. And she, of course, goes, no, as a friend. I love you as a friend. Um, so the sweetest friend zone in the history of friend zones. I wrote that same note. Who the fuck writes I love you as a friend in a note? Like, that's super yeah. weird to me. No yeah. one would ever do that. No. She has an amazing line uh, that I really love. Said, said, she says, maybe one day we'll be perfect for each other. And I really like that line as much as I dislike Anna. And that's actually my last... That, that line gave me gooseies, actually. Yeah. As much as I hate Anna, um, like this whole scene was so good to, to really? me. Really? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I loved it. I, I, I loved this I loved scene. it a lot when I watched this as, a, as like a teenager. But like now... Seth being able to, I, I just watch it too much through like real realistic eyes, I guess, where I go, how, what are the odds that Seth fucking rolls up, runs through the gate and sees her right at the exact spot that she is as she's heading through like the scanner thing. Like the odds of that are so fucking just incredibly low that he would find her in the, in LAX. Um, yeah. Also when they're having this conversation that you liked, like Seth is being just very stoic and like kind of stone faced and mad. And like I, like I said earlier, he's mad that it's not about him. And I was just like, mm-hmm. get the fuck over it, dude. Like he's kind of pissed that like he didn't have the effect to have this girl to make this girl move. And even then as she goes through and he stops and like pounds on the window, it's like, dude, you have to stop. You got to let the shit go, man. But, but we all, we get, the great thing is we get the re- the repetition of like one of the first Anna lines, which is confidence Cohen. Mm-hmm. So that was great. But no, it is a little bit ridiculous. But what can I say? I'm a romantic. You know, I love Love Actually and all that stuff. But that's all for the fun stuff, in my opinion. Let's talk about what the adults are doing, which is fun in its own way. Sure. So we're talking about Uncle Sean again. Uncle Sean is still in trouble and uh, Caleb is continuing to aggressively request that Sandy uh, represent him so that Kirsten can remain safe. It's kind of blackmail, but not really because he's also potentially going under. So it's like gray mail. So he's gray mailing <laughs> Sandy and um, Sandy kind of reluctantly decides, okay, I'll, you know, what, sounds whatever. sounds like, like an obscure porn category. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's on back pages. Check it out. Um, he goes where he always goes to talk about any kind of deal whatsoever in the law world. He goes to the golf course, um, where he naturally, he does what I don't think uh, you should ever do necessarily and says, Oh, Hey, district attorney Hodis, I'm glad you're here. Let's talk about something completely just out of nowhere. Um, (laughs) and so he kind of tries to talk to him. Uh, Hodis identifies the Newport group as orange County's Enron, Mm-hmm. Um, which history tells us that's not necessarily the best thing. And uh, he leaves the golf course. I, does he even play golf? I feel like he just shows up, hits one golf ball, and then leaves. Well, he literally says, like, I'm not going to hit it any better than that. I better get out of here. Which, was he talking about the golf ball, or was he talking about his relationship with Uncle Sean? I think he's talking <laughs> about the golf ball, Dylan. I think you're probably right. So after this point, though, he talks about how, and maybe you can explain this to me, because after this point, I think this is what he's referencing. He's like, I broke, basically says I broke the law or I did something shady or illegal to make this situation have a good ending, essentially. Yeah, make it go away. Like, what did he do, Dylan, that was like illegal? Go talk to the DA at a it's, golf course? 
it's really difficult to to tell exactly what he did. I think that I think he just doesn't like being in this situation because Caleb is making him do it. But I think I mean I can't remember like exactly what he said to the DA because he didn't even really say he represented Sean. I think that he might just be saying that because he's like lying to the to the DA about it, where he's like, you know, I'm not I'm not representing him, but if I were representing him, and this isn't an imitation, this is just my voice. Uh, don't worry, Robin. Um, if I'm not really representing him, but if I was representing him, I mean, what kind of deal, you know, could you get for him? So, you know, it's, it's kind of, it is kind of a sticky situation because like as an attorney, if you're representing someone, you should represent them. And if you don't have that attorney client relationship, that's kind of an ethical, you know, not a good place to be in because the reason why you have that relationship is so certain rights can attach to a client. So maybe he was saying that he was doing something illegal by per- claiming to represent someone that he didn't. But that was as far as I could go analysis-wise. That was just another thing I was confused about on this disc. To me, it's also surprising that Kirsten's so naive about the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you hire a consultant for the Teamsters, and you're in construction. Mm-hmm. Um, has she never seen a Martin, Martin Scorsese movie before? Seen the Sopranos? Yeah. Like, has she not seen The Sopranos? Like, I don't really... I mean, it... Either she really was naive and she's not as involved in the business as they would like us to believe. Or Or she was drunk. Yeah, or she was drunk. (laughs) Very easy solution. That's that's pretty much what happens in The Goodbye Girl. I just want to say my favorite favorite moment of this episode that we didn't touch on is that when Ryan and Eddie get into the fight, did you guys see who comes to help him in the fight? Who, like, leaves and, like, walks towards him to help break it up, the first two people that are there? It's Luke. Who? It's my It's my tag team. It's our dream team of Tate and Luke. Yeah. They're always there to do the right thing. Oh, our two favorites. And isn't this also after Luke and and, and Julie had that weird kind of back-touching interaction, and they look back, and Tate just has this knowing smile, like, I know what you're up against. I think Tate kind of knows that they're probably fucking, but he also thinks that he's done enough to stop it from continuing at that point by having that weird conversation with Julie. Um, but yeah, we should also mention that Luke and Julie are full on just fucking in this episode. Oh my gosh. So that's one of my favorite scenes is they're both at the party and they're trying to kind of ignore each other. But Luke walks by and he's just kind of, you know, says something flirty to Julie. And then he says something like, Oh God, your ass. And Julie kind of like blushes and gives him a look. And every single time Luke and Julie have an exchange, Tate is like creeping around the corner watching. And it's so funny because it happens a few times throughout the episodes. And then at the very end, they show him. And like, I mean, Tate is kind of like he has his hands on his hips and his eyes are wide. Kind of like, okay, Julie, what's going on? And um, he calls her out. And I think he even says something like, I don't, you know... I'm not saying you're doing anything, but if you were, it would crush Marissa. And I just, I thought that was kind of an important scene. Um, the other, the other last thing I want to call attention to in this episode is, um, I think we're getting a glimpse of like emotionally mature Summer in this. Oh, Like Seth is kind of spiraling about Anna and, um, you know, Summer is letting him do that. And she's like, go. Go talk to her if it's what you need to do. I don't do. know, man. I think that's. Uh, I feel like I'm pushing back on a lot of Seth stuff on this episode. Maybe <laughs> I just don't like angry. Seth. But to me, but to mm. me, it's just like Summer needs 
Summer should have just been like, you know what? You're clearly not fully invested in me, and like Summer's dope as fuck. And like, if you're sitting there thinking yeah. about Anna and like crying about Anna, like go then you, they, you shouldn't be dating. Like she needs to break up with him. I have a note in a later episode where I literally just wrote like, why is Summer even with Seth? Like, what's he bringing to the table? Honestly, I think I, think I know which episode. He's not Summer. Summer's easily the coolest person in this. Um, so uh, I guess for real quick, the outfit of the episode is of course Anna's goodbye episode. Um, one more zany outfit from her. She's wearing like purple tights. I mean, she's dressed like the lady from the magic school bus, like Miss Frizzle or whatever. I'm getting Miss Frizzle realness. Yeah. Like every episode, she's literally like that like substitute teacher who comes in and just makes you cringe, but she's wearing like a velvet blazer and like a tiered skirt and purple tights and like a polka dot shirt. It's just, ugh, it's chaotic. I, I don't know. But, um, while we have Anna, and it's our very last thing, a uh, shout out to Anna, Caleb, and Julie. All three of them are also in Entourage. Um, and Ooh. all three of them basically play the identical characters in Entourage that they are in the I OC. I guess it's time to announce our next podcast, which is uh, Keeping, Keeping Up, up with, with uh, the, the Entourage. Keeping, Keeping Up with the Turtle. Yeah. Actually, you know what? There's, there's, there's also like another iconic Jew, so I'm on board. <laughs> That's well, chasing the chases. You can call it chasing that. the chases. <laughs> well, wow. oh my god. Well, that was the goodbye girl. I want to hear about the LA next. That's another pretty iconic episode. I agree. I was very excited to have this episode. Episode number 22 The Los Angeles features Sandy <laughs> on screen for 12 minutes and 39 seconds. Dylan, do the thing. March 24th, 2004 was the day that this originally aired to 11.09 million viewers. And it was written again by Josh Schwartz. So let's go to Los Angeles. Uh-oh, everyone. <laughs> when Marissa and Summer run into Grady Bridges, star of Summer's favorite TV series, The Valley, he invites them and their friends to a party in L.A. and they accept. Meanwhile, Ryan and Seth discover the romantic connection between Luke and Marissa's mom in which Ryan persuades Luke to break it off before Marissa finds out. During the L.A. party, Grady tries to woo Summer away from Seth, who gets an eyeful of a wealthy socialite lady, while Ryan and Marissa run into Haley Nickel, who is now working as a stripper, and they call upon Tate for help. Back in Newport, Sandy and Tate approach Caleb to ask for his help to arrange a get-together for some of the Newport group's wealthy business elite to get funds to open their own restaurant. So, this episode has a very wonderful uh, open, where they're back at the Little Mermaid, uh, Seth and Ryan are going back to get Ryan's watch that I guess he left because he was too busy fucking that he left his watch there. <laughs> he and Teresa were just too busy. Didn't yeah, Ter- him and Teresa were just too busy boning down. He didn't even need it to wake up. Like I said, he didn't need an alarm. He just woke up on his own. Um, there's a creepy innkeeper. Ryan's wearing a shirt for a for a, lo- for a local Long Beach company called B and B Supply, and it's a real shirt by them. Like it's got the real phone number, mm. the real website, the real address. I don't know how they were able to get that into the episode. Like what that mm. company did. Maybe they did a little some work with them. I don't know. That was cool though. Um, they decide it's going to be. They get his watch back. They decide it's going to be angst-free Ryan week, which includes just no drama. I think um, we get after. So we get simultaneously one of my favorite scenes in all of the OC. The which is Seth going, Did you tell Luke about your watch? Like, why is he meeting us here? And Ryan's like, Of course, I didn't do that, you moron. <laughs> and then Julie, Co- they see because they see Luke out stepping outside of a hotel room. Julie Cooper steps out immediately after him. They start just making out. And then he runs away from her, hops the bar, hops like the barricade, and like runs away to his truck as she slaps him on the ass. 
great scene. Um, as they're saying this, Ryan and Seth like run away to like hide behind a car, which is just ominously parked in the middle of a parking lot with nothing else around. <laughs> it. But we also, in my opinion, we get the musical moment of the episode right off dun, the top, dun, 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 dun. which is the Vines "Ride with Me." Love this song by the Vines. The Vines had two big hits. This was one of them. Uh, and God, this song is just so much fun. Like when you listen to this song, you can't help mm-hmm. but like smile and like have a fucking good time. And which is kind of funny for this context of this episode. But yeah. uh oh, is Ryan still there for you? No, Ryan's gone. Where did Ryan go? He he finally left. <laughs> <laughs> it was like he did the TikTok thing where it's like boom, Ryan, it just vanished. Ryan, like Ryan's like I've had it. I'm out. <laughs> Let's see if he comes back. That's so funny. And I hope he keeps this in. He guys, you're witnessing Ryan quitting the podcast live. Here you are. <laughs> Sorry. Hi. Am I back? I was convinced yeah, that you had back. finally decided that you'd had enough of me. <laughs> you just left the show. Yeah. It's I, like a TikTok transition where you go like this and you're just gone. Like Dylan's talking again. I just can't handle this tonight. I'm sorry. I got to <laughs> I'm going to go make you. fajitas. Bye. Um, no, that's what happens when I record in my bedroom. All right. I'm going to pick it up uh, back at the pool house. Is that where we are? Right? I don't know how far I don't know how far you guys went. But yeah. So we're back at the pool house. Uh, Ryan and Seth are having a little debrief the next night or the next morning after seeing Luke and uh, Julie making out. Uh, they decide they should not tell Marissa about this, which again goes back to what I said earlier whenever they caught caleb and julie hooking up ryan is very quick to tell marissa but for this i guess it's a little different because it's her ex-boyfriend i don't know um seth has an interesting line where he's like i mean i know how he could do it i mean it's mrs cooper so i guess seth is like also attracted to her i mean she's only 34 yeah 34 is the new 24 i mean 14 (laughs) no that didn't work let's stick with 24 wow dylan wow okay um (laughs) we're still i'm a cop yeah, and you just passed. That the was test. a test. Yeah. Um they uh Seth thinks that Ryan should like take the lead on this. That was actually a really funny kind of uh running joke throughout the episode is like they're a team, but like Ryan does all the work essentially. Um we see Summer and Marissa at the beach. Marissa is saying that maybe she needs to be alone, maybe she needs to stop dating, maybe she needs to like find herself. And while they're out there, they run into Colin Hanks slash Grady Bridges, which is a hard name to say. Um, Grady Bridges plays the a rural char- juror. The rural juror. Grady Bridges plays a <laughs> character named Jake Needleman on the Valley. Jake Needleman is the most Jewish name possible, so you know that this is like obviously kind of a, a parallel to Seth Cohen and Adam Brody. Yeah, and it's called the Valley. I guess Grady invites Marissa and Summer to his birthday party. Like they just kind of they're like there. Um, he. Just like, yeah, you two girls are here. You should come to my birthday party in Los Angeles tomorrow. Oh, this makes me mad, though, because whenever... So, obviously, Summer's really excited to meet him, and she's fangirling out. She's like, oh, my God, I watch all your episodes. It's my favorite show. And then he kind of turns to Marissa, and Marissa goes, actually, I've never seen your shows, in her her weird transatlantic accent. (laughs) But it's a continuity error, because in the previously on... She was watching it! They literally show a clip of her watching it. I didn't even realize that. You're right. I didn't even realize that, yeah. though, because I actually thought Marissa was, like, doing the right thing. I was like, I respect her for just being like, I've never seen your dumb show. But she totally has seen his dumb show. 
She's no, whatever. Cool. I hate I hate when people do that. Like I, you know, I, I feel like I was listening to to podcast and celebrities are like, I hate when people come up and they're just like, oh, my mom loves you, or oh, can I get a picture for my cousin? Like, no, dude, you want a picture for yourself? Just say it. It's cool. We can like each other. It's fine. And like, I totally get that. Like, I feel like if I was, I don't know, I. I obviously don't have that many celebrities. Well, no, I'm saying if, if, Mar- if Marissa had never seen the show, I would have respected her for just saying I hadn't seen your show and not trying to kiss oh, his ass. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Summer was already kind of like taking that uh, for the team, so. Well, there's a great moment when they come back. They're back at Fancy Pants High School the next, uh, or right after, maybe the next day, maybe it's the same day, I don't know. But they run into Ryan and Seth in the hallway, and there's a great line where Summer says, we have big news, nothing you could tell us could top this. And then Ryan and Seth <laughs> like share a look of like, oh, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> yeah. They Summer tells them they're going to L.A. for Grady's birthday party. She t- she has photos. I guess she took photos with him, and they make reference to the fact that um, selfies or pictures are the autograph of the 21st century, which Man. I kind of feel like we all agree with now that it's 2020, and no one gets autographs anymore, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, back then, the, the cell phone pictures that you take were, were so fuzzy and pointless. Oh, my God. Sidebar, I recently, just last week, found my old photo bucket, which is full of hot photos from, like, this era of, like, oh. my digital camera <laughs> era and cell phone, my first flip phone era. And there was, like, 700 pictures on there. Like, all my graduation photos and shit were on. I hadn't seen them in years. But I was like, oh, man, I want to download all these photos. And I downloaded them all, and it was, like, 40 megabytes for all these pictures. <laughs> Oh my god! That's I was like, that's take forever. It took two seconds. Um, so they're, mm-hmm. they 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 say they're going to the birthday party tomorrow night. Seth and Summer kind of go away to argue about being Seth being jealous or whatever. Ryan mm-hmm. and Marissa are just awkward in the hallway now. Like they don't really kind of know what their vibe is yet. They haven't figured it out. Next time we see Ryan, he's confronting Luke in the Fancy Pants High School pool hall. Uh, Luke's playing pool. Ryan uh, comes up to him and just goes, "Hey, have you fucked Julie Cooper lately?" <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was awesome. Uh, and Luke, first of all, he lies and says, oh, it's not what you think. And then he immediately says, we have a real connection. I've never felt this way about another woman before, which is just makes me feel so bad for Luke. Luke gets a yeah. shitty deal in this disc, by the way. Like, it yeah. is shitty yeah. that he's fucking his ex-girlfriend's mom, 100%. But if he's truly feeling this type of way about her, like you got, you can't help but feel bad for him. And I kind of think that he does. Yeah. Whether or not he realizes it's not real yeah. or not, he does feel that way. Yeah. He's still Golden Retriever Luke, and he's still minor. And she, you know, ultimately, more of the fault falls on. I think Julie. he's eighteen. Like if you were, yeah, he is eighteen. They made a big oh. deal out of it. Oh, yeah. he is. It's kind of like the deal that that you know Sandy got for Uncle Sean. It's like it's pro- it's legal, but that doesn't mean it feels right it's legal it's not ethical mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah so ryan basically tells luke like ryan and luke had such a good like dynamic during the oliver saga like they were buds right like they're friends and now ryan's yeah, being they're kind bros. Of a dick i don't know why i'm such a luke apologist i feel so bad for luke now but i just like ryan's being kind of a dick I do he's too. like luke's being like i really like this girl and ryan's like it has to end end it with this person that you really like so which up. sucks um, Ryan's is being very dismissive of Luke's feelings, which is kind of the theme of this disc, but whatever. We see Seth watching the Valley. This is, I'm just going through all the kids right now. We'll get to the adults in a minute. Uh, Seth's watching the Valley, trying to catch up and see what he's, see what he's up against when it comes to Grady Bridges. Uh, Ryan notes that Grady looks like Seth because he's geeky and sarcastic, which again, I hate that that's the trope that we've give that Seth has been like assigned. Like he's the geek, which I don't know. Um, Marissa comes over slash I wrote 
Marissa comes over slash Ryan goes to oh okay Marissa comes over and I wrote slash Ryan goes to her house because Ryan steps outside to talk to her outside <laughs> um, okay I have uh, I have an I have an <laughs> equally bizarre note and I I think I know what I meant when I wrote this but I posit a question to you and it's does everyone technically live in Marissa's but by house? the end of this disc we get some resolve about where Marissa actually lives and whether she does or does not oh. live outside <laughs> I can't yeah um <laughs> So Marissa comes over slash Ryan goes to her house outside. She says she needs space. Um, again, if you're looking at this from like a, an altruistic way, it's like Ryan is trying to do the right thing, but at the same time he's being manipulative, I think. Yeah. Where he's, he's basically saying, she's saying I need space. Like we need to learn to kind of be friends and we need to do that. We need to kind of do our own thing for a while. And Ryan's just like, oh, you want to start that immediately? Because he's trying to get her out of town so that Luke can break up with Julie. Again, this is all kind of weird timing. But he, yeah. again, just kind of dismisses her idea of we need to spend time apart. And like says, no, 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 we don't. You need to come to L.A. with me because he's trying to help her in the long run. But at the same time, it's manipulative. I don't like it. Yeah, and I know I wrote that Marissa's reasoning for not wanting to go to LA is actually really solid and mature, but he has to get her to go. Also, I don't understand why Marissa has to be out of town for Luke to end things with Julie. Yeah, I mean, either. I mean, why why couldn't they just take Take her to the Little Mermaid? (laughs) I'm I'm expert movie. So the next time you see Seth and Ryan, they are uh, back at the Cohen's house, slash their house, and they are convincing Sandy and Kirsten to let them go to LA, which is actually a really good scene. Mm-hmm. And Seth kind of hits him with a, uh, like, you know, I could have lied to you. I could have said we were going to go to do anything else. I'm trying to build trust, which is actually a pretty, pretty good logic on Seth's part. Um, and he mentions the IMAX and some of these other things that he's lied about Comic-Con in the past. And Kirsten was like, I knew you didn't go to the IMAX. That's when the Range Rover got trashed at the uh, at the Long Beach party. Six kegs, crazy honeys. He was allegedly, allegedly <laughs> going to the IMAX that night. She knew he didn't. Uh, Kirsten knows who Grady Bridges is. I thought that was really funny. She wants an autograph slash a picture. Um, And when they finally agree, I don't know if you guys noticed this, when they finally relent and Ryan chimes in and says like, you know, hey, we'll be back by midnight. No drinking, no drugs, no fights, which is three good rules to live by. Um, They finally relent and say, okay, you can go. And like Seth does the celebratory like, yeah. And they cut to Ryan and he does a very sarcastic, just like, hmm. It was really funny to me. Uh, Ryan goes to Marissa's house because he now needs to convince her to come to L.A. with him so that Luke can break up with Julie. I know, right? Um, but whenever she answers the door, whenever she answers the door, she's holding Luke's puka shells. <laughs> I was like, what a treasure. I would, I would, I would covet those. Um, I guess she thinks that he left him there when they were hooking up. I don't really understand. But Ryan manipulates her into... <laughs> Yeah, she's like, oh yeah, there's what a relic of the Horcrux, hundred percent. Ryan manipulates her into coming to LA with him. He even says the line, "It's not about what I want; it's about what you need." Because oh, Ryan knows what he need, what she needs more than she knows what she needs. Apparently, I'm very pro Marissa on this disc, as you can tell. Man, this um, is weird. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, also, no. Also worth noting. Misha Barton, I believe she was either 17 or had freshly turned 18 when they were filming this episode specifically. She was 17 when they started filming the OC for sure. And he's 25. So Mm -hmm. he's like 25. She's 17 in these. Like kissing on each other. It's weird, right? It's weird to think about. I don't like it. Ew, it's like in uh, 
uh, interview with a vampire. Doesn't like Kirsten Dunst have to Brad kiss Pitt? like Brad Pitt or something? Like, <laughs> okay, Chelsea. After you just talked about wanting to fuck all these TikTokers at the top of the episode. <laughs> hey, those, hey, those TikTokers are eighteen. They're not eighteen. They're a hundred percent not eighteen. By the way. Lil Hottie's okay. 18, and I didn't even know who he was until then. He was I living know, on his I own by the time I discovered who he was. Who he until was. his 18th birthday. Yeah, okay. I definitely didn't have a <laughs> countdown on the desktop of my computer or anything like that. It sucks. <laughs> Never. It sucks that I'm a cop. <laughs> I'm totally not wearing his merch right now. You do now. have a cop mustache right now, so I kind of buy into that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we, now we're in the car, we're heading to LA, they're playing the 88, How Good It Can Be, for the second time this season. They played the same song in an earlier episode, and that song has yet to be the actual music moment of the episode, even though it's a great song. Um, they're stuck in LA traffic, Marissa notes that her mom is never home, and Summer's like, clearly she's fucking, and Marissa's like, oh, gross. Uh, Ryan and Seth are quick to cut off, to cut that off. They start talking about their celebrity crushes, who they hope, what celebrities they hope are going to be at this fancy pants birthday party. Um, Summer's hoping for Orlando Bloom slash Legolas from Lord of the Rings. You're welcome, Dylan. I'm sure you have things to say about this. I will not let you do it. Um, Seth is He's hoping- Middle Earth. Seth- it's a huge part of European history. Just, that was actually a great line. Um, Seth is hoping for Natalie Portman, Kieran Knightley, and Kate Bosworth, which is a real twist of an ending on that trio. Another incredible musical moment when they finally get to LA, we get Burned Too Slow by The Crystal Method. Uh, I loved that song in 2000 three four whenever it came out it was also featured on need for speed whenever uh, i think hot pursuit too oh, great song need for speed. um it's strip club season there the grady's having a strip club or he's having his birthday party at the strip club there was a very bizarre dialogue exchange between ryan and seth tell me if you guys even noticed this because i didn't until i went back and uh turned the closed captions on when they first walk in to the strip club seth goes why didn't they let that heavy set girl in and Ryan just what? goes, and Ryan goes, that was a guy. Oh. oh. Well, now we know why they muted it. So this, first of all, this place is called Luna oh, yeah. Chicks, which it's is a great fantastic name. name for venue. Second of all, I did not clock that it was a strip club. To me, it just seemed like a regular nightclub with like bottle service yeah. and stuff that, that the women that were strippers were I kind of just like decoration. I feel that this is a strip club because they say it's a strip club, but also it's network television, so they can't be like naked, obviously. But I do feel like it's a strip club. Mm-hmm. It's more strip clubby than regular clubby in my own experiences, but um, I, could to- I could totally be wrong, but... Yeah, it was kind of loungy. Like it reminds me of the place, like the places where the boys in Entourage went. Like it, it wasn't a full on Hakkasan Vegas situation where it's all about right. dancing, but it's more like this is where you sit and you do your bottle service thing, and there's entertainment going. Yeah, around. it's somewhere in between. So Grady introduces Summer to his aunt. He grabs Marissa and Summer and just like takes them away from Ryan and Seth. He introduces them to his entourage, uh, which was funny that we said entourage like twelve times in this episode. But uh, he introduces them to his crew. And uh, he talks about how they just got the rights to the Golden Girls, which I feel like would be a multi-million dollar IP, let's be real. Um, He just got the rights to the Golden Girls, except now they're going to be young and hot, which I kind of wanted to see. I kind of want to see that. Yeah. I would love to see a um, a prequel to that. Smoke Show Blanche, I'm in. I'm here for it. I like to think that Char... Oh I like my to think God. that it's canon that Charlie's Angels was a prequel to the Golden Girls. Oh my God. That's <laughs> actually really great. I've never that's heard really that theory good. before. Was it on Cracked? Dylan, like, you just you earned from? your way back onto this podcast. Yes! 
Yes. So we're introduced now where we're introduced as Seth and Summer kind of walking through the club. We're introduced to Paris Hilton's character, which I have a lot of thoughts on. But first of all, I am still unclear. I was unclear as to whether or not she's playing Paris Hilton or if she's playing another person. I always believe she was playing herself because she she presents she I guess that she's in college or something and she she's talking to Seth and she this is this is the evidence. She goes, Oh, I'm actually studying for my thesis, blah, 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 blah. And she wouldn't have said actually unless it was surprising. So her being Paris Hilton understands who she is. Hey, actually, don't tell and she even says something like, Don't tell anyone. Why would she say that unless she knew that he knew who okay. she was? And then the other thing is Paris Hilton loves playing herself. I always thought for I will that is a hill I will fucking die on. Paris Hilton is playing okay, herself. Well, she, Time to die. About to slam dunk, yeah. Because I also did what Dylan did and looked it up on IMDb. Ugh. She's playing a character named Paula, right? Kate, Kate. Sorry, Kate. Yeah, she's playing Kate. She's playing a character named Kate. For what it's worth, with the with the uh, with the with the photo, no. she, mm-hmm. she, she thinks, Chelsea thinks she's the IMDb is lying to us. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I think it's bullshit. I do not. Canon wow. rejected. That is the most twenty twenty political argument so for, ever. Well, so we inter- we're introduced to her, and she she kind of gets in between Summer and and Seth. This character Kate. I think Kate is implied part of the the Valley cast. I think. Um, I don't know. See, that would make more. sense The other sense girl that shows me. up at the end of the episode is also a part of the Valley cast. When the, gets into the car with Grady mm-hmm. and Summer, so we'll get there. Her name is April. April. That's right. Um, but she she gets in between Seth and Summer, and she's like, "All you LA girls are so like stuck up." And she goes, "We're not from LA. We're from Orange County." And God, I got one of my favorite moments when Paris Hilton says, "Orange County." Ew, loved it. And Ew. that was when we see Ryan and Marissa hanging out talking, and we discover that Haley is there dancing as a oh, stripper yeah. because it is kind of a strip club. Oh, it's so, so bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And she has like terrible stripper hair too. Oh, yeah. It's just, As, whenever like whenever No, no, no. I want to say I want to say it. I want to say it cuz I have a whole note about this. Okay, I'll, I'll say we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm trying to go in order here of my notes. Okay. So, <laughs> Haley's a stripper. That night she apparently she I think she's still 19 when they're filming this as well. Um so Haley's a stripper. Ryan calls Sandy. Sandy's like yelling about or is Haley being a stripper in front of Tate. Tate's like, what? Uh, tells them they're at Luna Chicks. Tate leaves. We'll get to that adult stuff later. But then Sandy's like, you guys got to come home now. Like, you're at a party with strippers. Too much. Come home. Again, Ryan, super quick to just narc on Haley. When it's when it has nothing to do with him, he's so quick to narc on people like he did with yeah. Julie and Caleb before. So back to grady he's with his posse he's with summer they're doing a round of shots and grady cheers to me in all my glory which <laughs> i loved fucking love that total adam brody line uh 100 so speaking of adam brody seth and paris hilton are at the bar now this is when they start talking about her thesis her thesis is on magical realism in american literature dylan do you have thoughts i do have thoughts i think it's interesting doesn't she cite thomas pynchon as one of the people yes. i'm pretty sure thomas pynchon was more about absurdism. He was more of an American heir to, at least I think he's American. Someone's yelling at me. A pension head is yelling right now into their into the their stereo. coming for us. But I'm pretty sure that he was more of kind of like an absurdist, um, you know, postmodern writer and not necessarily one that dealt with magical realism, specifically because um, his kind of most famous work, Gravity's Rainbow, which is amazing if you haven't read it, 
It's um. Should I be compared- putting the comic book music minute under this? Sure, sure. I, I really don't. Okay. Still, I have. Yeah. Because it, it has more in common with Ulysses by James Joyce than like when I think of magical realism, I think more of Gabriel, Gabriel Grace Marquez in A Hundred Years of Solitude. So I don't think she's going to do very well if her thesis is on Thomas Pynchon. Okay. We survived that. Thank you, Dylan. Um, Grady <laughs> yeah. offers uh, Summer. He's like, I've got a new episode of The Valley on tape. Do you want to go watch it? She's like, of course, <laughs> I want to go watch it. He has a tape player in tape. his car. Yeah. I love it. We had that. You had a VHS player in your car? <laughs> oh, yeah. well, not now, but we did. We would watch nothing but... We got it when my sister and I were young enough that all I wanted to do was watch Blade, and all she wanted to do was watch Spice World. So we'd just oh switch God. off oh, between yeah. the two of those good, on road that's trips. That's a good back to oh, oh, yeah. And we'd, we'd ride the, in the Navigator all the way to Branson and switch off. But my parents always made us watch, like, Oklahoma, the movie, which is a really weird thing, but it's just because it was super long. So they were like, oh, yeah, they'll fall asleep. And it's kind of boring. So they're like, oh, they'll fall asleep. My parents are pretty strategic like that. I'm here for impressive. this Oklahoma slander. Great. Not boring. Okay. Oh, what have you Paris and Seth take selfies. I'm going to keep calling her Paris, even though her name's Kate. Paris and Seth take selfies. She tells them to call her sometime. Love it. Um, at this point, Ryan or, and Marissa reconvene with Seth. This is what you were talking about a minute ago, Dylan. <laughs> He's staring at Haley's butt. He doesn't know it's her yet. He's staring at Haley's butt. He leans into to Ryan while Marissa's standing next to him and just loudly says, I know you're a single guy now. If I were you, I'd schedule some one-on-one time with... And then she turns around and he sees that it's Haley. Haley. So clearly, Seth thinks that she's hot because he's staring at her ass. He's staring <laughs> at her ass. He thinks that she's hot. But then... Once he realizes it's, it's Haley, she starts. She gets off the stage, starts to walk away. Seth runs over to her and just goes like, "What are you doing? I thought you were in Turks and Caicos as a aerobics instructor." And it, she's like, "Yeah, well, it didn't work out." And he just goes, "You look terrible." <laughs> so mean. So mean. After he just thought she was hot before he realized it was his aunt. I can't take it. Oh. I can't take it. He's the worst. Continuity error. He's, yeah, really. So he just sucks. I hate him. All right. Um, <laughs> um, they get thrown out of the strip club at that point. Um, and the owner of the club, I want to point out, is the that drug dealer from The yeah. Sopranos who like gives Meadow speed. Like as soon as I saw his face, I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. And then when I realized it, it was pretty. He funny. has big bad guy from the mask energy. Throughout this entire scene, <laughs> so now we're now we're in Grady's car where they're playing the new episode of The Valley on VHS. He's with Summer. Um, Summer's bored at one point. She's just like, "Let's go back to the party. This sucks." Uh, and Grady tries to kiss her, and she immediately like freaks out. It's like, "Nope, nope, nope, not not happening." Um, he also plays. He's like, "I'm in a band. Do you want to hear our music?" So he starts playing his CD. It sucks. Seth finally intervenes, opens the door because he's like, I heard some really terrible music. Uh, so I thought I would come see what's going on. This is clearly an, uh, a, what's the word? A, a compare, not a comparison. Like a, a um, sure. I know what you mean. <laughs> sure. An allegory for yeah. Adam Brody's band, Big Japan. Cause isn't, isn't, he doesn't even say his band well, no, is called Little Korea or something four, like that. Taylor dates a guy from a band called Big Korea. That's it. That's it. Like, I knew that yeah. Was so some in real life, Adam Brody is in a band, and like the the character of Grady illusion illusion. Thank you. It's an illusion to the fact. The, uh, the real life, the, or not the real life. The Grady Bridges character is so obviously based on Adam Brody, so much so that when April shows up as well, 
they have a conversation where they're like, oh, aren't Grady and April dating in real life? Won't that ruin the show if you guys break up and it doesn't work out? That's because Adam Brody and Rachel Bilson were dating in real life at this point at the, when they were filming this. And uh, I think they had maybe already broken up, and that's why they put that joke mm-hmm. in there. I think they Did dated they? throughout the whole yeah, series, actually. The qu- Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think they were saying like, oh, haha, wouldn't it be awkward if we this broke up? This makes me I think wonder, the since they made such a big, they have all these comparisons between his character and Adam Brody, and they make it a big deal that he like ad-libs his scenes mm-hmm. and like improvises a lot of the jokes. Is Has there, do you all know if Adam Brody did that? I never heard that he did. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Just no, I think thing? that was kind of a thing, was that Adam Brody improvised huh. a lot. Man, I don't give him enough credit. Stop that. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I, can't. I know. I, 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 oh, he's I will. The worst. Oh, I'll give him credit. Usually, he does a I lot of things based on really my fast, very limited experience so. in like filming situations, it's usually you do a you do a take or two where you stick to the script directly, and then you do another one or two where they let you kind of improvise, and then they'll let you they'll and, choose the best ones from there. So I'm sure there was a yeah, lot of improvised scenes that were not good and did not make it onto the show. Speaking from my time <laughs> on Kids Bop, I can tell you. <laughs> Um, Ryan and Marissa are now back to do what Haley calls the Save the Stripper campaign. Um, They all get tossed out, including Haley this time. A bodybuilder tries to fight Ryan like he's like a security guard. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of absolutely nowhere, even even more out of nowhere than Chelsea talking about street cats, Tate Donovan shows up. Oh, Tate the Great. And saves the day. Tate shows up. His line, though. He comes in with the That's line. He's like, who are you, 25? Or he's like, what are you, like my age, but pretending like you're still 25? Is that what the line? Uh-huh. Yeah. Then he goes, you yeah. got to fight a kid? That speech is awesome. the day. Um, he gets Haley out of there. Ryan and Marissa find Seth and Summer. They all leave together. Um, we're back at the, we're all the way back in Newport now. Ryan and Marissa are in the pool house. Again, I wrote Marissa's cool. <laughs> I think she's acting yeah. so cool right now. Um, and then they have a pillow fight, which was weird. At this point, as we'll get to in the adult storyline... Luke and Julie, Luke has finally broken up with Julie. And we'll get to that in a minute. But Luke, Marissa goes to the bathroom or something. I don't know where she goes. But Luke just walks into the pool house. And one of the most baffling moments of this entire series, I just uh-huh. do not oh understand God. how they could Cringe. not have thought of a better way to do this. Luke just out loud goes, I'm done having sex with Julie Cooper. Right when Marissa walks back into the room. <laughs> Here's her social security number and her address. If you were curious, who I was, I talking wrote like about. this is the weirdest way for Marissa to find out about Luke and Julie. Like there had to, there was a million other ways to write this in a better, better. I feel like Th- that's such an unnatural yeah, sentence to say. I didn't even say I broke up with her. He said I'm done having sex with her. This girl that he thought he was in love with. I'm sorry, Luke. Or I, I mean, uh, I blame, I blame writing, not Luke. That sentence has never left anyone's mouth. Like you, you never like hooked up with someone and walked into another room and said, "I just got done having sex with so and like first name last name." Like, that would never happen. They had just had sex and he was now done having sex with her. Okay. No, well, I know, but like I'm done. But still, I know that. Was, like, <laughs> I, no, I like the other interpretation. I actually, like, yeah, actually kind of like, like even that. Even like I'm done. Where it it would have been way weirder. Like, it would have been way weirder if he was like, "I am currently having sex with Julie Cooper." Because yeah. earlier in the episode, or maybe it was the one before. Where Julie has to rush out, and she goes, "I'm late. I thought we were only going to do it once." No, I do. I have so notes about know. that too. That's in the next, okay. or yeah. that's later in this episode, actually. Um, so yeah, Marissa is. She finds mm-hmm. out this bizarre way 
she confronts Ryan. She realizes that he had been manipulating her to get to LA so that this could happen, I guess. And so then she, I wrote, she goes home outside. That's kind of where we leave that storyline. Uh, the rest of this, I just, it's the adults plus Luke is what I wrote. Uh, Tate and Sandy are broke. They have no money for the lighthouse. Apparently Tate is just real bad with money. <laughs> he just can't handle it. I don't know what his deal is. Uh, Haley sent them a letter saying she was a trainer in Turks and Caicos. Uh, they have no money. They're trying to figure out who's going to do the interior design at the lighthouse. And Kirsten says that Julie could help and that she actually did a good job at the Newport group, which I don't think we saw that. Maybe she did, or maybe I missed it. I don't know. Oh yeah, there, there was a, they made a big deal about that because remember she had that badass girl boss like you do this, you do this, it's all gonna come yeah, together, like and then it fell apart. But Kirsten helped her get together. Yeah, I I think she took credit for it, or she had a vision. I don't know. She she tried yeah. to orchestrate it. So Kirsten's wearing this very strange like ascot. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, it's actually the outfit of, of the episode. Um, because it's. It's oh so weird and off-putting. Like it was just, it, it was tied so. She has it. She has it in the neck. next episode too. Exactly. Like I don't. So my theory is, I think that she must have gotten a hickey yeah. or a curling iron burn, and it's really weird because Julie actually has a hickey that she blames on. So I don't know. I think there's something weird going on because it's such. Like, like, neckerchiefs like that weren't even in style at the time. Like, there's no reason for her to be wearing that. This is an actual Chekhov's neckerchief situation. <laughs> we see it early on, and it comes into play later. We just don't know how yet. That's how. <laughs> Wait, how? Chekhov's we neckerchief. We don't ever yeah, we find don't out how. What are you talking about? Explain yourself. I had, Explain I hadn't talked in a while. My theory was, you know, <laughs> so, th- okay, we need to do something. For the first time on this podcast, the concept of Chekhov's gun comes from a play by Anton Chekhov where there is a gun that is present for an entire play. Chelsea and I and know be- that. And if what you're saying yeah. makes no sense in, in context of the neckerchief because it never it never does anything. Well, yeah, you're Julie right. doesn't. Julie's want- not. The, Julie's the one with the hickey. Kirsten's the one wearing the neck thing. <sighs> Hey, Dylan, hey. I feel like you're just like filibustering at really, this point. Really, honestly. So, sometimes I just talk to make sounds. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that on an episode of The OC recently. Um, so Julie <laughs> agrees to uh, brighten up the lighthouse, and she agrees to do it for her portfolio. That's a fancy way to say for exposure, in case anyone's wondering, in case anyone's out there freelancing there is another, like me and Ryan do. There is do. another moment. No, totally. I mean, I've done t- plenty of things, quote unquote, for exposure. And there's another moment where they reference something else that's like very like kind of freelance 2020. I'll get to that in a minute. She Julie says something along the lines of, and I actually, in my notes, I said Julie's a marketing genius, but she says, let's have a dinner party for all the tastemakers. They're, they're, the, oh, they're the tastemakers of Newport. Yeah, I'd never heard tastemakers yeah. before. Like, I can't, it has to be one of the first times anyone's ever said tastemakers in 2003 or oh, four. God. Well, I don't know. I've been I've been saying that term a lot yeah, but lately. but it's 2020, um, Chelsea. In case you guys don't know, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the throes of launching a little business here in Tulsa. We're, we're going to do some balloons. And that is why one of my very first gig for exposure will be a Ryan Drake DJ <laughs> I was, night. I did not TV know that. Like, okay, great. When? Perfect. <laughs> I have no idea when it's going to be. I don't know. When are we able to like Next summer. This again? summer we'll make it happen. happen. I promise. Okay. This summer. And t- until then I will be doing small family gatherings and corporate events. And by corporate events, I mean outside of the cycle Reach, bar. So hit Chelsea up check and it out, if you Tulsa. need balloons for your COVID party. 
These are just for the gram. These are just so you can take pictures for your Instagram. These if you're are a not taste for maker. gathering. They're not gathering balloons. So Julia agrees to do makers. it. Um, she says that the boys, the boys being Sandy and Tate, will still need to pay a little bit for like things like linens and silverware and things like that. And she quotes him at like $6,000. There's a great moment here where I reference Julie and Jimmy's kind of back and forth where where Jimmy's like, six grand. We don't, or six, I'm sorry, six racks. He doesn't say that, but he should have. We don't have, we don't have six that racks. kind of money. What do you do? And they also, so he's like, that seems like a lot. Are you skimming off the top? And she goes, no, that was you, sweetie. Oh, oh I love that band. Oh, Ooh. my gosh. It's so good. And then there's another line where he's like, we're, he's telling Sandy, he's like, we're out of money. And Sandy goes, you know, Coop, for a financial advisor, you're not so good with the money. <laughs> Jimmy didn't want to bring Julie on board in the first place because he thinks this is his happy place. And like, this is his, this is like his Zen thing. Now Julie's involved and he's just up, he's up in arms about it. Um, but to, to, to cover the cost of the, what they're going to need for Julie to do this, Kirsten, just, and like Sandy's also at this point, Sandy's very much like, well, you got to do what you got to do. It's a business, right? At this point, Kirsten interjects and says, you know, um, my dad could help. He could become a silent partner. And now Sandy's in the same boat as Tate going, no, 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 no. This is my mm-hmm. happy place. He won't be a silent partner. He'll be a silent assassin. Great line. Um, but they, get, they do ask Caleb. Caleb agrees. He agrees and basically says, you know, he asks some questions. He's trying to vet the chef. And like, well, he can cook you dinner. Um, we'll, do, we'll do a dinner party. At the Cohen's house, because um, it's a whole thing. Anyway, she, that's where she said, they're the tastemakers of Newport Beach, James. So there's now going to be a dinner party at the Cohen's house while the kids are in L.A. Uh, Caleb wants to date Julie. Uh, he drops her off at home. Julie kind of gives him the cold shoulders, like, well, we'll see, maybe. And then Luke busts out of the bushes, uh, runs up on her on her porch, and <laughs> asks her if she, if, he, if she was just using him until Grandpa comes back. She agrees uh, that they should talk, but she also wants to fuck immediately. So they go in the house. Apparently, they have no time to talk because they go into the house, hook up. Next time we see them, they're leaving the house, throwing their clothes back on. Still no time to talk. That's when Julie. That's when Julie says, "I thought we were only going to do it once." Uh, but obviously, you know, Luke. <laughs> is, uh, he's a golden retriever. He's also a stallion. I think we can say that about Luke. A golden That's retriever right. stallion. Now we're back at the Cohen's house. Uh, Caleb's giving a toast. He says, this is step one in the renaissance of Newport for destination dining. He crushed that I speech. I thought the speech was good. Like, it gave me, it mm-hmm. me goosies. Yeah, I liked it. I thought like, it was really Caleb, good. Caleb, Tate, Sandy, and Kirsten all kind of chimed in, and I thought it was really, really good. They were all very comfortable Kirsten, talking in front of people, kind of like Marissa when she emcees events. <laughs> Kirsten ended it by saying... An icon of the past, a beacon for the future. Yeah, and I, I great. was like, oh God, that makes me cringe, but also it was a really good speech totally. for the no, audience. I agree. Like it is one of those like marketing it's like marketing speech and you hear it and you go, Oh, that's what that is. But if you mm-hmm. but also you're like, That's pretty good though. Um Julie yeah. shows up, she literally walks in, doesn't even look to see who's around. She just walks in and just announces that she's here. Um and she's glowing, according to Caleb, because she just got dicked yeah. down by Luke, so she's glowing now. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan had left a voicemail for Luke while they were at the strip club in L.A. Uh, Luke now, I wrote, Luke gets Ryan's voicemail and whips a sick U-turn on his way. He's like leaving uh, Julie's house. He gets Ryan's voicemail and is like, nope, go, go to the Cohen's house. So he like whips a U-turn, starts heading back to the Cohen's house. 
Uh, Sandy and Tate are unhappy about the crowd that have that these Tate. Like I, they're, I guess they're unhappy about the tastemakers. That's not their audience. I guess they're a little too hoity-toity mm-hmm. for the meatloaf. Um, that's when Ryan the narc calls them about Haley, tells them they're lunatics. Uh, Tate leaves. Caleb comes in. They get into a big argument about meatloaf. Um, I don't know how they didn't talk about this ahead of time. If they're planning this big dinner party that Caleb is like financing and is like, it's a major thing for everyone. I don't know how they didn't decide. And then I don't know how they didn't have this conversation ahead of time. Like we're going to have meatloaf, but they didn't. Julie asked Marco, the chef, if he could go pick up food from, do you guys remember where? The, the crab, crab shack. shack. Still in business. Somehow without Donnie, without Ryan, the crab shack thrives. <laughs> <laughs> that new That's manager right. um after jimmy leaves caleb just doesn't care anymore like caleb was so adamant like no meatloaf and then jimmy leaves and caleb's like yeah fine whatever we'll have meatloaf the next time we see sandy he has left his own dinner party so tate's gone and now sandy has left his own dinner party to go sit outside alone by the pool which is just bizarre i'm like you're supposed to be the face of this restaurant you're supposed to be entertaining these people and you guys are both gone mm-hmm. uh sandy left his dinner to go outside to marissa's house uh caleb shows up and they have a little chit chat <laughs> and that's when sandy says that like i know that jimmy actually left because your daughter's a stripper and he went to go rescue her um luke shows up to the cohen's house uh he's outside i also wrote he's outside he's at marissa's house slash the cohen's house <laughs> lots have a lot of marissa's house, house i know I, I took too many notes yeah. about this it's like impossible to not think about it now um <laughs> there's this crazy moment a couple of times now it happens in this episode and it happens again in the fourth episode on this disc where luke shows up somewhere and one of the cooper women whether it be julie or marissa like shoes him off like he's an animal (laughs) like julie's literally going like shoo get out of here later on whenever we see marissa uh at Enchino, she's just like go 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 home luke like he's a dog um so he's (laughs) in the harry and the hendersons guys i'm sad to announce that ryan just had a brain (laughs) aneurysm and he is no longer no longer with us (laughs) Oh no! Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I got that on film, Chelsea. I got on film where he disappeared and came Did back. Did you really? You got me disappeared. <laughs> yeah, here. I'll I can't this. wait I to not watch that. <laughs> okay. Um. So, to wrap up this episode, I don't know where I dropped off. I'm just gonna say I I got my own recording, so it's fine. Uh, Caleb is in. Luke is out. Luke has broken up with Julie, and he has headed to the pool house to announce it to the entire world. And that is where the episode ends. That was a good episode. Yeah, I liked that episode. It was, it was pretty iconic. I liked how they said the LA to kind of clown the OC. Mm-hmm. That What was, was your cute. outfit of the episode again? Was it the... Uh... Outfit of the episode was the, the neckerchief. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like... Um... <laughs> I don't know why it's making me laugh so hard. It reminds me of uh, Colonel Sanders. 100%. I get it. So that gets <laughs> us into episode number 24... I'm sorry, no, it's not 24, is it? It's 23. Episode number 23, The Nana. Arguably the the most Jewish episode of this show ever uh, because it features Sandy Cohen on screen for 13 minutes and 31 seconds. Dylan, tell me about The Nana. Oh, yeah. Okay, so The Nana aired on March 31st, 2004 to 11.37 million viewers, and this one was written by Alan Heinberg. The episode starts, it's literally the next morning after Luke makes his big announcement about Julie Cooper. And Marissa goes, I have to go. 
and just wanders away. And I'm really confused about this because Marissa walks out and like, what is Ryan doing in the time period between Marissa walking out and her getting completely lost and falling off, falling off the face of the earth? Because the episode starts where um, Ryan has been driving around all night long looking for her and Seth has stayed at home in the pool house by the phone. So I guess that means that Ryan doesn't have a cell phone. There was only one phone. I'm not 100% sure what was going on. But while Seth is nursing the phone, Marissa calls and leaves a voicemail saying she's all right and not to follow her. Um, but Seth is asleep when this happens. I love his explanation when he's sleeping that he wasn't sleeping. He was just fixing his back. And then we also have our second Lord of the Rings reference in as many episodes. Because when he wakes up, the first thing he says is, it's my precious, you can't have it. Um, and I didn't really realize until this, I looked at the air date for this episode, that this was legitimately like three months after the last Lord of the Rings movie had come out in theaters. So I guess everyone's still high on uh, on Tolkien. Everyone? Uh, I don't know about everyone. <laughs> every, everyone in my friend group, which is me. Um, so Julie kind of storms in and she's like, where's Marissa? And basically Ryan's like, we know, we know what happened. She's run away. And Julie is kind of like, wait, what? Nothing's going on, blah, 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 blah. But they're all like, Julie, the, the ruse is up. So she asks, like, at that point, what is there to be gained from wanting to talk to Ryan by herself? I don't know. But for whatever reason, she gets Ryan alone. And she basically is like, you know, we need to find her, blah, 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 blah. And, like, of course, I don't, like, I, what do you think she was trying she to gain She wanted Ryan to work moment? with her to find Marissa so that he could lead her to Marissa so that the, she could then do whatever she wanted to do when she found Marissa. So send her yeah. away or whatever. I don't know. It's just, it, it's frustrating in this moment. So they kind of cut over to the adults and Sandy is throwing out all of the leavened mm-hmm. bread products in his house. Uh, Ryan, do you want to tell us why? Because <laughs> Anna's coming and it's, it's Seder season, baby. It's Passover time. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I guess whenever I'm watching this, I don't clock that he's like, oh no, the Nana thinks that we're Orthodox so we need to throw this away. I kind of got it more as him just being like, let's throw it away so we just won't even have that kind of a conversation. She's a gluten intolerance. Like we don't even want to go there. Um, (laughs) We're not kosher. Um, I just have a gluten intolerance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He, He builds up this whole thing about the Nana. He's just like, the Nana is very judgmental. The Nana complains about everything. The Nana's really scary. The Nana's really self-righteous. The Nana is sanctimonious. The Nana observes Jewish traditions really strictly. She's here. We all have to totally bend our lives around it. But, you know, it's okay. At least we're going to get a good meal out of the Seder. So that's cool. Um, But he, like, this whole time, the whole house is stressed out. Kirsten's stressed out. Sandy's stressed out. Even Seth is like, whoa, the Nana. That's really crazy that she's coming. Kind of tells Summer about it. But meanwhile, Summer is like, not stressed at all. She's like, oh, you have a Nana. That's so cute. I can't wait to meet her. And Seth's just like, no, mm-mm, I don't even know if you're going to get to meet her at all. And Summer kind of storms away in a huff, but it's actually really adorable. She's trying. Yeah, she's trying. And she kind of, you know, gives them some adorable Summer sass. As they're in the middle of preparing the house for the Nana to arrive, she gets there and everyone kind of tenses up. Like you can kind of feel their, you know, bodies clench and they're like, oh shit, the Nana's here and they're not ready for her yet. But she walks in. Like fucking Mary Poppins. The Jewish Mary Poppins. I think they refer to her mm-hmm. as at one point in this episode. Oh, they do use that line. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I thought I was being clever. <laughs> so I, um, she says something to Seth. She's just like, oh, you never call your grandma because you're out chasing the California mm-hmm. girls. And she just has kind of like a sweet narration about every single member of the family. 
And even when it get to, gets to Haley, she says something adorable like, oh, the troublemaker, You're, you've always been my favorite one, which I thought was pretty cute. That's what's kind of going on with the adults. And meanwhile, uh, Ryan is trying to figure out, and I forgot who, but someone says something like she, she will have gone somewhere where she thinks no one will ever find her. And then it clicks in Ryan's I was say, before, before it does that, they're kind of rattling off where she could be, and we get an Oliver name drop. Yeah. Oh, we yep. do. Because Seth still in the goes, hospital. I hate to say it, but yeah. <laughs> he's I loved it. still in the mental hospital. He's there. So good good for him. I'm really glad that he's out there getting the help he needs. So kudos to that. I, mean, I like that. Amen. Yeah. Take, takes a strong person, you know. Um, but finally, he, he puts two and two together and he goes, okay, she's nowhere in here. I know where she goes. In the next scene, you see him arriving at none other but one... Teresa's house. Oh, baby. That's right. And guess what's going on there? It's a party. They are having... It's a party. Remember when we used to have those before COVID? Chelsea, yeah. you could have done the balloons it's for this party. Her... It would have been such a better party. It would have. It would have been super Instagram. I'm pretty sure that Ryan was DJing, though, because we... At one point, we get Modest Mouse playing. That so was my Ryan... musical moment of the episode. It was float on by Modest Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Amazing set, bro. Thank you. I really killed it. I don't even like, I don't like Modest Mouse. I think they're annoying and I just never like them, but I do fucking love Float On. I think it's a great song. I love Modest Mouse so much, except only two of their songs. That's it. Okay. (laughs) I will say I could have tied some really nice balloons to that chain link fence right there. Man, so many good connection points. Um, Yeah, they're throwing a party. It's an engagement party. Um. So Eddie is is hurt. Like you can see the deep distrust in his eyes. He's kind of like, "Why is Ryan here? I thought we were moving on." Teresa, what the hell? I thought we I were doing so, this. This is the episode that confused me the most. I don't understand why Marissa went there. I don't understand why Eddie's so mad about everything. Even though he seems like a good dude, he also just seems like his anger is misplaced. I think, um, and the whole dynamic of them, like, just kick him out immediately, or why are you letting him hang around, sort of. And then the whole thing with Teresa. I just I didn't understand a lot of this, but. Maybe you'll help me. Well, and it's so much more than Marissa just being like, oh my God, I got to get away. I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriend, Teresa, for a weekend. She goes hard and makes long-term plans. So she's telling Ryan, like, I'm going to live in Arturo's room. That's Teresa's brother who's in and out of jail too and BFF with Ryan's brother. She's like, you know, Teresa says she's going to help me find a job. I, you know, she she kind of goes from zero to sixty. Like, what? Wh- how are you guys feeling about this? But there's that whole line at the end. I mean, I'm kind of as dumbfounded about the whole Eddie thing as, as you are, Ryan. I mean, he's it's okay that he's upset, but like that upset, it's a little bit much. But like, my understanding is, with with Marissa and why she went to Chino and why she's doing all this is, I think I can't remember which character said Eddie, it. I Eddie's think, the one who said she went to the one place she knew that only you could find her. Yeah, so I mean, that's the only thing I could think about is that the reason why she went to Chino was because she kind of secretly wanted to be found, but she wanted to control who found her. It's a very it's it's yeah. a stray cat thing. It's like the cat goes to a place, you know, where where it can die in peace. Also, we've the second time we've compared oh. Marissa to a stray cat. So yes, yeah. that that just made me really sad. <laughs> Marissa doesn't oh, die man. in peace for at least two more seasons. We've got a lot of time. Yeah. Oh, now I'm bummed. I did it. I broke the podcast again. No, but I wish you guys could see my face. I'm like, I'm. I look kind of like Eddie did when when Ryan walked up to his house. Chelsea has Eddie energy right now. 
big Eddie energy. Oh God. Uh, meanwhile, back in Newport, uh, Sandy is incredibly distrustful of his mom's new, brand new, kind demeanor. And it, it kind of frustrates me because I'm like, Sandy, why aren't you just like rolling with it? If she's nice and delightful to be around, like why not just kind of let it play out? So he kind of gets kind of confrontational about it. He's just like, what is this? What are you? The Jewish Mary mm-hmm. Poppins? And he's, you know, and he's just like, you know, what, why are you being so nice? What's going on? And basically he kind of pushes her to get really frustrated. And she has this awesome tantrum that's just like, you know, I hate this. I hate the sunshine. I hate Schwarzenegger. It's amazing. Like she, she gets really mad and storms out. But basically we find out in this moment, the reason why she's so frustrated is that she has cancer. Um, she was just diagnosed. It's late stage. And she basically wants to just kind of come home and have a good weekend with, um, she you know, says she family. only has four to six months. And so that's why she's there is to like say goodbye to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, most most of this episode is just switching between Chino and the adults trying to figure out what to do about the Nana. Um, the kind of, I would say the C-plot of this is Seth and Summer. Summer, adorably, you know, it's very new to Jewish traditions. And she, you'll have to tell us more about this, Ryan, but she thinks that you have to have the entire book memorized. Yeah, this entire, this entire, uh, this entire like, six-hour Seder thing is just not... Either either my family did it super wrong, or this is just not that real. Uh, it's like maybe twenty minutes tops. You just read a couple of passages from the Torah, and you can use the book. Yeah, I don't know what I, the emphasis on Summer doing it is weird, and the emphasis on her doing it from memory is weird. But she did a great job. Well, okay, you know how in the uh, third season, whenever we find out that Summer's secretly a genius and aced her yes. SATs. I mean, should we have been surprised if she memorized a six-hour-long presentation not. in a day? So, I don't know. Maybe they wanted us to take away all of that from this episode. Who knows? Um, so, anyways, back in Chino, Ryan and Eddie kind of have a dispute. It's kind of awkward. They calm Eddie down, which is so stupid, by the way, which I don't understand. Like, why is Eddie confused this that is Ryan my, is there? This is my entire confusion yeah. about this whole episode. It just doesn't make that much sense to me. Like... Everyone, also everyone at some point, at some point, everyone's telling, Teresa's telling Ryan to leave. Eddie's telling Ryan to leave. Marissa's telling Ryan to leave. But he's just like, no, I've got to get Marissa home safe. And I'm like, dude, just fucking leave. Just go. These people will handle their shit, right? Like, come on. The thing that adds the other layer of confusion onto it is like you said earlier, the one who ends up realizing, nah, man, I understand that you're here for Marissa was Eddie. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently Marissa and Eddie talked off screen, which I think would have helped with the context. I don't know. Um, But Eddie has a posse, like his, his boys and like they shove Ryan down at one point and like Ryan's (laughs) bleeding. But like, I thought that was really dope for Eddie's dudes to like step up. I wrote Eddie's posse is hashtag goals. Cause that was good. That was really good of them. Yeah. Why does he think Mar- like I just don't understand why he's confused that Ryan's there though. It just I mean if, Mar- if when Marissa so shows out- up and then Ryan shows up, but you immediately just assume Ryan's there for Teresa but not Marissa. I don't get it either. I don't know. Like it's so outside of what normal conclusions people would go to. We know like, a lot of things are outside on this show, Chelsea. So maybe and correct me <laughs> wrong, but whenever Eddie and his posse roll up, have they not gone inside yet to see that Marissa was there? No, Ed, Marissa had been there since oh. the night before. Eddie had seen Ryan at the front door when he first walked in. So they, he's seen everything. They know everything. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Maybe because I, I guess there's probably no scenes with Eddie and Marissa ever together. Maybe he thought that it was just like a gal pal from like school. 
school or something. That's another part of the problem I have with this. Not a problem. It's just a weird thing that I noticed. I mentioned it earlier. Is that Teresa and Eddie have almost no scenes together. And the one scene that they do have together when they're having cake at the table, I was like, oh, this is what they're like together. And it's, I was like, okay. She's already ordered me around and we're not even married. Yeah, like I finally, it's like, that's like one of the last scenes they have together for at least for a while in this show. And it's like, you finally see them together and like get their dynamic, but it took this long. It's not great. Um, so at a point, Luke and Julie um, kind of rond- rendezvous, and he uh, tries to apologize for everything that's happened, but L- Julie's kind of like, this is my fault, not yours. I'm the adult. So like maybe the one iota of responsibility she takes for this. But then immediately she turns to, I, ha- I have to commit Marissa. Marissa might hurt herself. I have to, I have to put her away. Which again, just uh, makes no sense to me. Like it, in that moment, it seems like, does, is she worried that Marissa's going to hurt herself or is she worried Marissa's going to tell people? Would she rather Marissa go to, um, you know, a mental hospital so that if she does tell people, she can kind of gaslight her and be like, what are you talking about? I don't know. What do Julie you think want, Julie wants to there? control Marissa. That's what she wants. She wants control. Control plus self-preservation equals Julie. There you go. Um, so meanwhile, as Sandy is talking to the Nana and talk, trying to talk her into seeing a doctor or staying here, seeking some treatment... Kirsten is in there too. Nana's kind of like, no, I'm not doing chemo, you know, and, and Kirsten mentions, which I don't think we've learned before, that her mother passed away from ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but during this conversation, Seth overhears it. And I kind of think it's one of his better, like, acted moments because his eyes genuinely look, like, sad and distressed. Much like how I felt after, um, you know, Dylan talked about dead cats a few Definitely. minutes ago. You did ago. a great job acting there, Chelsea. Um, also, we... Yeah. The, yeah. One of the first things... We know, we know how you really One feel. of the first things that Sandy asked her yeah. after they talk about the cancer thing is he's like, Do, have you told anyone else? And the Nana says something that I don't think we I had ever noticed, nor do I think we've ever visited in this series, is... She goes, no, I didn't tell your sister or your brother. So Sandy has a yeah. brother and a sister that we just never see or meet. Huge. Spinoff. AJ, Donnie, and Um, (laughs) Ryan is making some headway uh, trying to get Marissa to come home. She is frustrated. She's very frustrated, and she's in one of Teresa's borrowed dresses. (laughs) And it's really strange because Ryan's trying to reason with her and she kind of, he got and goes in the house with her and she very aggressively like gets undressed while she's talking mm-hmm, to Ryan. Yeah. She kind of like strips mm-hmm. down naked while she's ranting about her mom. And I don't know. I thought that scene was kind of weird and unnecessary. Like what, what was it? Was it, were they trying to be like now Marissa's her most vulnerable or was it just like by happenstance? Like, do you think that was trying to communicate anything? I, I or, mean, I, don't know. I feel like everything that wants to communicate gets communicated in the, like the, the, the moments after she gets redressed where she's like, get out of my way. And she has like a nervous breakdown and starts smacking Ryan, like peak mm-hmm. dramatic Marissa. Um, that was a good scene though. The, yeah. The undressing, thing, it was undressing thing freaked me out. It was one of her better acted scenes, too, because she really does, like, you just feel the eruption of emotion. Like, she feels completely helpless. Like, she has to go back and face the music in this situation that she had absolutely nothing to do with. Like, she did nothing to create this situation for herself. But she's the one who has to kind of live in this very painful situation. And I think she does a good job expressing yeah, Marissa's that. Marissa's been really killing it lately. I just want to say that. 
Mm-hmm. She has. I also want you all to know, speaking of the good acting scenes, you mentioned Seth's earlier. The reason why um, there is no comic book minute on this episode is because uh, these are very intense and heavy episodes. And when the Nana said, so what's so Seth, you like comic books? And he says, nothing, there are more important things. And so much like Seth, there are more important things in comic books to talk about on this episode. And also there just aren't any comic books in this episode. Just wanted to let you all know mm-hmm. that I care. That I care. Um, fun little, I would say the D plot is Jimmy and Haley. Um, you know, they've kind of been doing the will they or won't they. (laughs) You look terrible. (laughs) They've been doing the will they or won't they dance this whole time. Um, you know, I think that the end of the episode. They decide with them going for it, but not telling, but not telling Kirsten. Yeah, and they have a good makeout se- uh, session, and Haley's kind of like, yeah, let's keep it a secret, but it's sweet because they end up all, um, you know, sitting down to dinner together to have this, you know, great Jewish tradition. But before that happens, as Ryan finally convinces uh, Marissa to go home, who shows up? None other but That's Luke right. himself. Uh-huh. Which, how did Luke find him? I mean, them? again, I don't know. What the hell's Luke doing there? Why did he come to Chino? Like, and none of this makes sense to me, but Luke shows up to Gino for so he shows up to Teresa's house, and now Luke and Eddie are in a scene together. It's so weird. I mean, it, Marissa slaps the shit out of him. It's it's so soap opera. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I mean, I grew up watching Days of Our Lives, and this episode of The OC is the most Days of Our Lives esque episode that there possibly is. The episode ends. It's one of those episodes where it, the story is definitely more simplistic than some of the other ones. Um, you know, basically, we have the Nana going on, we have Seth and Summer being adorable, and we have Marissa, um, you know, coming home having to deal with this. Yeah, she comes home. She realizes she has to deal with this. Um, It kind of solidifies, like, Julie's a shit person. Like, she got a terrible reaction to this. She was the one who really, really fucked up. And nothing she does makes this any better. And Luke, although I think he has better intentions, and immediately right off the bat, they all go into kind of reptilian brain to try to come together. But, um, you know, Luke doesn't deal with this the best either. Did you notice that Marissa, whenever she's approached by Julie, backed away, uh, not unlike a stray cat would do if he tried to approach it on the street? That's exactly right. (laughs) Good point. Catbacks! The whole thing with Nana was that she didn't want to get treatment because... She thinks it's going to slow her down. She's a go-getter. And she feels like it's going to slow It would slow her down, plus no one. she thinks no one cares about her. And once Seth and Kirsten, of all people, both demonstrate that, like, oh, no, we do care about you, and so does your son, and I'm sure your other son and your daughter that we never see, once, the, once that kind of gets through to her, she decides that she is going to get treatment. And so that's kind of how that episode ends. Um, it's, a, it's a lot mm-hmm. of nothing. It's a big filler episode for me where, like, Nothing really yeah, happens. It, it kind of was. I will was. say that my favorite scene, the scene that made me laugh harder than anything else on the show. I've mentioned different times when I've laughed very hard watching specific points of the show. The scene that made me laugh so hard and I thought was so good is my favorite scene of this episode was when Kirsten and the Nana were talking. And Kirsten did the thing and it's maybe it's a Jewish thing. It's just the most incredible masterclass in Jewish guilt tripping. Where she's like, you know, you know, you have a grandson and, you know, you have a son. But, you know, if they're just if they're not important, then I guess do whatever you want to do. And I was just fucking (laughs) losing it because I have been in that situation a million times in my life. And she just absolutely nailed it. Oh, I love it. Um, Out for the episode is Kirsten wears a weird neckerchief again. Neckerchief. 
Neckerchief. I have no idea why. I the only reasonable conclusion is that Kirsten was injured somehow. All all that I can hear you saying is that you want to have keeping up with the Cohen's neckerchief sold through T Public. That's what you're telling me. Yeah, let's make some merch. If we're going to like finance this restaurant, we have to have the capital to That's do it. That's a great it. point. So. That will get us into the final episode of this disc, which is episode number twenty four. It's called The Proposal. Dylan, what should we know about the proposal? Aired on April 14th, 2004. I'm also pretty sure that's when the Titanic sank, uh, except in 1912. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> the sec- Titanic 2, um, Electric Boogaloo, to 10.49 million viewers. And this was written by Liz Friedman and Josh Schwartz. Uh-oh, everyone. Jimmy and Sandy, <laughs> Jimmy and Sandy run into a roadblock in their effort to reopen the Balboa Lighthouse restaurant when some investors withdraw their funds, and it's revealed they were Jimmy's former business clients whom he lost all their money. Meanwhile, Summer and Seth take it upon themselves to finally make Marissa feel more at home at Jimmy's apartment, Tate's apartment, whatever. Things take another turn when Caleb makes a marriage proposal to Julie, which sparks anger and a feeling of betrayal for our boy Luke, who gets behind, who gets behind the wheel of his car and has a near fatal accident. Also, Marissa and Sandy, also Marissa, Sandy, and Jimmy each strike deals with Caleb in which he forces Marissa to live with him. And Julie, after they are married, in exchange for helping Jimmy and Sandy with their business adventure. So uh, I'm going to power through this. But this opens, and I'm only mentioning this because there's a weird gay joke throughout this episode. And it starts here with them at the movie theater. Everyone's crying. They've gone to the movies. They're trying to distract Marissa from all the chaos that's happening in her life. And Seth crying is like somehow tied to him later not knowing how to use power tools and then him later walking in on Ryan getting dressed. And it's just like a, an ongoing gay joke throughout the episode, which is very bizarre. That bit where they show like uh, Marissa crying, Summer crying, and then uh, uh, Seth crying is like the uh, exclamation point on the joke. They do that exact same bit in Twilight of all oh movies. And I don't know, it kind of made me laugh. It's a it's a good teenage. They run trope. into they're leaving the movie theater. Uh, they run into Julie and Luke hanging out. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But like Marissa is triggered by that because it's her mom and her ex boyfriend, and they've been fucking. That bucket hat she's wearing, by the way, I mean, Julie? easily. Uh, yeah, I, more than the put me out of yeah. my Missouri shirt. Yes, I'm over. I'm over the state shirts by this point. <laughs> Seth is like, get some new material. I'm like, come on, Seth, get some new material. Yeah. Um, weird moment in the pool house when Ryan's getting dressed and Seth walks in on him getting dressed and it becomes a, a, a thread throughout the episode. Uh, Ryan says he's leaving because he wants to fight Luke. He literally is like, I'm going to go find him and beat him up. Um, <laughs> Luke shows up and it, it sounds like, where are you going to look? He's like, I don't know. I might go down to the pier. And he's like, have you tried the backyard? Because Luke is walking in the door right when he says that. Um, Luke has a moment that breaks my heart where he's like, trying to get a hold of marissa marissa doesn't want to talk to you and luke's like well no one wants to talk to me and it's like oh luke and then he goes and then luke even says like i thought you guys were supposed to be my friends and i was just like oh my god luke um he like really wants to talk to marissa and ryan won't let him basically i I wrote like he's leaving i'm so sad why is ryan the gatekeeper to like marissa like that makes me so mad um next thing there uh next thing we see we're at tate's house um summer mentioned an article she read in stuff magazine which i thought was interesting because we talked about stuff magazine a couple of episodes ago with bonnie somerville marissa mentions that she has uh something in her room and summer like all of us goes you have a room 
That's my note. I said yeah. Summer knows the truth. Yeah. So they go to Marissa's room, and it has no bed, which confirms everything that we've discussed. There's no bed in her room. Yep. Yeah, she was, like, sleeping on the couch. She sleeps outside, Chelsea. We know this. Come on. Yeah, she watches oh, the valley me. on the couch because she doesn't have a TV outside because the raccoons took it. <laughs> because Luke took Terrible. it. Okay. Um, Ryan and Marissa are in the pier. They're having ice cream. I think they are actually having ice cream this time around. And uh, Ryan just kind of out of nowhere. I forgot that this even happens, but Ryan just out of nowhere is like, hey, we should. He's like, you know what we haven't done in a while? And they just start making out. And like they're back together. Just out of nowhere, they're back together now. Just like that. Just like that. Just like real life, man. Yeah. Well, it's odd that they weren't together. I mean, I feel like we all just kind of forgot they were even. When the Teresa up, stuff was going on, it was like uh, yeah. The, the Teresa thing was so out of place in this season to me. Like the Oliver stuff made more sense than the Teresa yeah. stuff. Anyway, they're back together now. Great, I love it. Uh, Summer takes Seth to. Summer was in Marissa's room, quote unquote. Realized it was a dump because she doesn't actually live there. Uh, but she decides she's going to fix it up. She mm-hmm. takes Seth to the room, and they're they're going to fix up the room. And uh, there's a joke about the hardware store, and it's another weird gay joke. Um, now Ryan and Marissa are back at Tate's house. That's when we are. That's when we are given the now iconic, as made famous by keeping up with the Cohen's line, mac and cheese or mac and cheese. Do you want mac and cheese or <laughs> mac and cheese? Mac and it cheese. makes uh, a reappearance. I love it. Do you think that they did it on purpose? I mean, obviously they did it on purpose. That's the only time that line is said you're just thinking, in the series. You're just thinking of my wife's spot on impersonation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only time yeah, it's said in the show. Because they do grilled cheese. No. They, you know, they, so she never says mac and cheese or mac and cheese. Or mac and cheese. She has Ryan over for mac and cheese night when they're going on their date in the, oh, early in the season. Oh, okay. Because like yeah. the joke is that's all she can cook. It's like, oh. Yeah. Okay. And so mac Caleb, the, the doorbell rings and it's Caleb Nickel. Caleb comes to Tate's house. Um, he wants to talk to Marissa alone. Marissa's like, nope, Ryan's going to be here. And I just wrote, Caleb wants to marry Julie. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, Marissa's like, okay, I guess. Like, she doesn't really, he doesn't really give her any say in it. Um, but Ryan, after Caleb leaves, I wrote Ryan is scheming because he's like, you could just tell Caleb about the Luke thing. Um, that's chaotic energy. So that's chaotic. it. Really is. Why don't? Why do we think she didn't explicitly express it in that moment? She, she's she's not playing her hand yet. She's holding her cards. She's gonna wait for the right moment. I feel like, and I'm also confused about whether Caleb even does know about this because later on he says something that's confusing. But yeah. um, Ryan rides his bike back home. He finds Luke outside, Ooh, bike, and bike, again, bike. again, he's like, "No, you're not gonna talk to her." Like Ryan's being a gatekeeper again, and it, it makes me mad. Uh, meanwhile, Seth and Summer are fixing up Marissa's room. I guess this is all happening in different intervals. Like Seth, Seth and Summer are in the room when Ryan and Marissa are not at the house. I don't know. Uh, but they're back at the room and they find a yearbook. And it's the previous year's yearbook. And they see that Seth was on the sailing team, the comic book club, and the film preservation society. And he was the only person in all oh, of I these. Um, he he does to Summer what Kirsten did to the Nana in Guilt Trip Summer into wow. like thinking she was a shitty person. I wrote Summer was not mean to Seth. He does the Jewish guilt thing. And at this point, that's when I wrote, why the why is Summer with him? Yeah. Like what does he bring into the table at this point? Like what has he got that's like so irresistible to her that she needs to date him? I don't get it. Yeah. And especially Summer is so confident and like lovingly ribs him and she's just her little sashly firecracker self. And I don't 
I'm with you. I don't get it. I'm just like, she's like, oh my God, I was so mean to you. And he's like, I mean, to be mean to me, you would have had to talk to me. Oh, I hate I'm that. like, dude, show my God. Stop. I have said I hate that so insane. many times in this episode. And every oh. single time it's been the truth. Well, yeah. it's like Seth was acting as though he was the, the lead character in the entire like high school or the entire Newport. That's a total like, Grady move. He's being own- Grady. Yeah. Big Grady energy. So, Summer had her own stuff going on. Summer comes from a broken home too. Like that's right. No one, yeah, no one gives a shit about that. Like Summer has her own story to tell, but we never even really get to explore that. I agree, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of shitty. So so they everyone's going to the lighthouse grand opening party. I think it's like the soft opening or the grand open. I know there's two opening nights apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's at the lighthouse the restaurant that Tate and Sandy are opening. Uh, Seth and Summer have really adorable hand signals for each other. I thought that was great. Uh, Marissa and Julie see each other and share a very cold moment. Um, But then Caleb proposes. He proposes to Julie in front of everyone, right as Luke is walking in to try and catch Julie to talk to her. Um, Caleb proposes. Julie immediately says yes. And Luke gets upset and leaves and Ryan sees him. Ryan goes out after him. And then Luke tries to fight Ryan. He like pulls his fist back. Like I'm going to do it. Um, So he's like trying to fight Ryan and Ryan says something. It's like, you're drunk. Luke, just go home. And then Luke goes, what home? And I was like, is that a Marissa line? Was that a Marissa line that Luke said? Luke Luke has been living outside since uh, the mid season. I'm convinced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since the, since the whole that's all this situation. show is about. And that's like a big part of it. Is a lot of people start start can start chalking up Luke's kind of breakdown to the fact that he has a gay dad. I'm like, come on, guys. I hate it. Um, Ryan wants to go after Luke. Marissa's mad that Ryan is taking Luke's side. Ryan finally tells Marissa, "I'm not taking his side. He just really wants to talk to you." And like suddenly, Marissa's like, "Okay." And I'm just like, "What the fuck? Like this could have all happened at like yesterday." The accident like, is Ryan's, Ryan's finally, fault. Ryan's finally, yeah, Ryan's finally telling the truth and just saying Luke wants to talk to you. Which I don't know why he was so not going to tell her that before. Yeah. But like finally now everything's cool because like cool, Marissa will talk to Luke. Like I just I'm so confused by all of this. This is gonna be. I hope I don't remember how bad the show goes off the rails like this, like seasons two and three. Like I don't know. This may be a theme. Um, Seth nails. So Seth hits a hole in the wall. Great scene. Stud finders. Okay, we see Luke drunk in his truck, blasting night moves by Bob Seger, and that is absolutely the musical moment of the episode. Is drunk Luke in his truck, just throwing back beers throwing on some Seeger. His actual line was just having a few beers at the park, rocking out to Seeger. You know the drill. It was a vibe. Like, it was a destructive one, but literally, Luke listening to Night Moves while drunk and throwing beers against his truck on the side of the road. Like, that is such a vibe. Chaotic lawful. I might do that. I might do that tonight. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, It, It looked really, really fun. So Luke's talking to Ryan on the phone. He's being very self-deprecating and apologetic, and he calls himself scum. And I'm like, you're Dude, not scum, man. This sucks. That like Luke really, genuinely, at least thought he had strong feelings for this woman, and like the entire world has turned against him now. And he thinks he's convinced that he is scum. I hate this. I wrote, I love weird Luke, but I hate drunk Luke because he's just so sad. Um, <laughs> but then Luke tries to call Julie, gets her voicemail. And then decides, I guess he's going to go back to where he just came from, which was the restaurant. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to go back and talk to her. So the whole thing, he like he went to the restaurant, then he left, then he was like, I'm going to go back. Now he's going back. 
I love that restaurant scene though. I think it does a really, really good job. Like the music is going and it's such a chaotic scene, but it shows all of the different players in Newport, mm -hmm. all at this party together and all of their separate storylines and how they intertwine. I think it does a really good job building tension. The amazing shot. The music was really dope. The amazing shot mm -hmm. after the proposal. I was, so I was watching this with one of my friends who doesn't watch the OC regularly. And like, the scene where he proposes and then you get a, a, an individual shot of every single person reacting to it. It was so good. So Ryan and Marissa are going after Luke. He, they think he's at the park. So they're driving to the park and they happen upon completely randomly a big car accident. And it happens to be Luke's car accident. And this was sad because Luke's covered in blood. He's being carried out of the stretcher. This, he's got oxygen mask on I his face. The same I, note, I said, I can't stand to see Luke hurt. He has Mako poisoning. And it makes me so oh my sad. God, stop that. I'm not, we're not <laughs> infecting this podcast with final fantasy. No, <laughs> Chelsea, Ooh. please tell me this is not the outfit of the episode is Luke on a stretcher. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so Luke is got Luke is drunk. He crashed his truck and he's going to the hospital. Hospital time. Um, uh oh. Marissa tells Ryan, tell, Marissa tells Ryan that like she wished something like this would have happened when she found out about him and her mom. So I wrote that I think Marissa may have manifested. She's this. a witch. Um, oh. She's a, a yeah. witch that lives outside and can transform into a cat. Confirmed. Um, Carson shows up. Luke's dad shows up for the first time since the episode where he was outed. He shows up. He's talking to the kids. Seth and Summer bail to go finish Marissa's room. Uh, Luke wakes up. Marissa finally wants to talk to him. And like the first thing that happens is Luke apologizes to He's her. He's such a nice guy. I know. And like mm. he tells her that he had no one, which is true. He really had no one. Like his family has broken up at this point. His friends had turned. His friends are now turning on him. Like he had no one, and I, and I'm like, you know what, Luke, Luke you're right. Um, she does forgive um, him. She does forgive him. It's a really nice scene, actually, when she forgives him. And um, it's a it's a beautiful scene. And to contrast it, and I'm sure you'll cover it in a second. But whenever Julie finds out about the crash, um, he Luke is so remorseful and he's tearful and he's jumping through hoops and he's apologizing not just to Marissa but to Ryan. And even apologizes to Julie. Like, he could not be more, um, like, feeling this more heavily. And he's just so remorseful. And meanwhile, Julie just has the most fucking evil response to this that I could possibly think of. And it makes me so freaking mad. I hate it. She's just, was it when she's just, like, super dismissive and she chalks it up to his family phone. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Literally. So Kirsten goes, "Oh, Luke got drunk and wrapped his tree around a, a, a pole." And she goes something like, "Oh, well, I, I guess he couldn't handle the embarrassment of his family." Mm -hmm. And she says that, and Seth is standing right there. Like Seth knows the whole story, you evil witch. Like what? Also, is Seth that? didn't say anything either. Which again, come on, Seth, speak up. Yeah. Like why did Seth? And also, you know, a way to stop the freaking wedding, Seth. Oh wait, I guess he didn't know that. Well, at that scene, did he know about the engagement or not? I think yeah, he, he did. did. I think he, he did. did. This know. was yeah. This is when they were planning the wedding. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. So uh, Luke's apologizing. Marissa does forgive him. It feels very sincere because at first I thought is she just going to say yes and then just kind of move on. But no, I felt very sincere. Yeah, that's a remember scene. Like I, that that was the moment where I really remembered that like they were in love at one point. Like they mm -hmm. were dating. They took each other's or she he took her virginity at least. Like they have a real bond. Mm -hmm. Um. So she she forgives him. He and Ryan have a really good moment. Um, where he talks about going to Portland and trying to fight the captain of the water polo Becoming team. Becoming a member of Antifa, doing heroin, all that. Editing that out. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> no, 
No, it's really sweet. They, they he kind of goes, maybe you'll fall in love with the girl who's dating the head of the football team, and they kind of. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, welcome to port, welcome to Portland, bitch. Yeah. And he says he'll email Ryan, which makes my heart happy. I want to read those emails. <laughs> um, so as Ryan and Marissa are leaving the hospital, Marissa has a list of grievances against her mother that involve divorcing Tate, breaking up the family, trying to drive Ryan out of town, and nearly killing Luke, which makes me happy that Luke's kind of back on their side mm-hmm. in this, you know what I mean, in the context of yeah, all of this. She's, yeah, Same level exactly. as Ryan and Tate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Marissa decides that she's going to go to Caleb and she's going to tell him about Luke in, I guess, in the hopes that he would then not want to marry her mom because she knows that if her mom marries Caleb, according to her, she'll become the most powerful woman in Newport. That's <laughs> um, big Stefan energy when I said that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So she goes to Caleb and he says something. She He says to her that he knows everything. That's what I was confused about. Because oh, he, he was yeah. like, he was like, I, she was like, you don't know my mom. He's like, no, I do. I know everything. I know everything that's been going on. So I'm like, does he know about Luke? It's never really specifically addressed. He leaves it so ambiguous. And then in the second season, we do get the payoff of he explicitly announces it. And we kind of, I think they just specifically wanted us to, to not mm-hmm. know. But they imply that Marissa doesn't more graphically describe it because he um, kind of alludes to the deal with her father as well. See, I don't remember that. I don't remember that happening in the second season. I'm glad that you told me that. I'm glad that we know that Caleb does know. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And the second, yeah. In the second season, he explicitly references it whenever he tries to divorce Julie. Um, But I think in that moment, the reason why Marissa doesn't like push the envelope further is because she's thinking about her dad in that moment. So yeah, Caleb makes her a deal and it's Mm -hmm. bizarre. It's weird how much the adults are taking advantage of the kids in these last couple of episodes, but Mm -hmm. he does make her a deal that basically said, basically saying I bought, I made an offer to buy the restaurant from your dad. So he's going to be rich if this deal goes through, but Mm -hmm. million millionaire again. Right. But you have to come live with your mom and I whenever we get married. And Marissa agrees to it because she wants her dad to be happy. Again, if I'm Marissa, I probably would also agree to it. So the, my friend I was watching watching this with, she was like, the thing about these teen shows that doesn't really make any sense if you think about it is it's mostly adults blackmailing children. Like you have Cal mm-hmm. dressed like freaking Ted Lasso just threatening to blackmail <laughs> Marissa. And like when we watched it, when we were that age, we were like, oh, okay, Ooh, he's a bad guy. But like, you know, now watching it in my 30s, I'm like, okay, first of all, the whole sleeping with Luke thing isn't as cool as it was. And this is also like. <laughs> it's still kind of cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it's like you're, you're literally blackmailing a child and it's not even like in a, it's in a really adult way. It's like, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't live with me, I'm literally going to ruin your father. That's, that's mm-hmm. dark. That's Vader stuff. I can't handle it. The The stakes are felt more heavily now that yeah. we're in our 30s as opposed to, you know, our young 15-year-old minds watching this. We appreciate both Luke and the stakes in our 30s. <laughs> so, Marissa... So, this was my, these were my notes for this. Marissa goes to Caleb. He knows everything. He bought the lighthouse. He's blackmailing Marissa. He wants her to move into his house from outside. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> this show is bonkers. <laughs> Um, she agrees to do it and the final scene that we have with the kids is uh we're back at tate's house and marissa sees her new room she can finally she finally lives inside um oh there's gosh. something is it is it a share bear is it c-h-e-r or s-h-a-r-e i think it's share the like care. s-h-a-r-e like that was the care bear's okay. power 
Yeah. I, uh, Not like the um, multi-decade uh, pop musician. I, yeah, I didn't know, honestly. I actually had a very similar <laughs> note to Ryan's, which was Marissa is crying because it's her first real bedroom. Um, before we move too far away from the from the A-plot with the kids, there are two um, lines from Summer that I wanted to bring up. Um, one, she calls uh, Seth a dandy, which I thought was interesting. Um, not exactly kind of a homophobic <laughs> thing, but just an interesting line. But then also, she hits him when he's like, I'll just paint. She hits him with, here I thought you could only paint the ceiling. And okay. What did that mean? Okay. I also heard that. And I was like, what is that? I looked it up because I wasn't sure. <laughs> it's a masturbation joke. Oh, God. Ew. Really? Yes. I mean, that, if, if Urban Dictionary can be believed, because I was... It can be. I was, I was trying to figure out, like, what it meant, because, like, I literally, you know, my, my pure brain automatically goes to, like, my, like, Sistine Chapel. What is this? No. Apparently, it's like... I mean, it's when you jerk off so hard, you hit the ceiling. Yeah, I guess so. Gross. Wow. So Summer hit him I'm with so that. I, I had to I had to bring it up, because I'd be doing Ew. this podcast a disservice. If so, now you've been introduced to what a rack is, and also what I we knew what a rack was, Dylan. Come on, you guys knew what a oh no, like as in money, yeah. What you did, you really didn't know that? No, I didn't, yeah. Chelsea, like rack you do that. city, bitch, yeah, rack, rack, rack city, city, bitch. I thought, I thought those yeah. were all about boobs, okay? So, but <laughs> now then. I will say I did not know what painting the ceiling meant, but I also I wish I would, but I also meant. now wish I didn't know still. But I might be wrong, you know? but it makes sense. We've had paint. <laughs> That's gross. Why did they make that joke? Gross. Paint the ceiling, no relation to paint the silence. Okay. <laughs> it's, got, it's kind of the same thing. It's not. Okay, we're I almost have some done. Questions. Okay, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. What's what's going on with um the the liquor license? That's what what's I'm saying. I was like restaurant? saying we're almost done. I got to get through the adults oh. here. Questions about that. Okay, so Julie. Uh, we start with Julie. The first adult we see is Julie, and she's talking to Luke in like a coffee shop, and she. That's when she said, "I had to delete you from my buddy list," mm-hmm. which was su- such a timely reference. Um, so the lighthouse is opening tomorrow. We, we talked about the grand opening party. Tate and Sandy have a, have their own handshake, which I thought was adorable. That was a highlight. Yes. I loved it so much. We um, stand. Haley is, is dressed as a hostess. Emphasis on the hoe. Um, ho. that was apparently. a nice dress and I don't understand. I agree. She looked incredible. She looks so hot. Yeah. Haley's super hot. Like. She's I'm more the into Haley girl on the show. As a, sure. I was gonna say, as a as a man in his thirties, I'm more into Haley than I ever was into the other girls, except for maybe Taylor Townsend. But yeah, um, <laughs> we find out that the reason the lighthouse cannot get a liquor license is some convoluted story about the man who's the commissioner of the of the company or the bureau that gives these licenses and approves these licenses was a former client of Jimmy. Jimmy, I'm sorry, Tate was a former client of Tate's. Tate lost that man's money, and so that guy had to go back to work, and that's his job now, and that's why he's revoking the license purely out of spite and personal reasons, which I didn't know you could do. Like it seems like something they could easily appeal. You can't do that. It's it's television, baby. Um, Sandy's wearing, I think, a Yankee shirt the whole time, right? He's wearing a Yankee shirt for like most of the episode. It's, it's either a Yankee shirt or a, or a a Berkeley shirt. It's a Yankee shirt. Um. I mean, it's not a Berkeley shirt. I'm pretty sure it's a Yankee shirt. So in the kitchen, Sandy's drinking scotch, which I loved. And Kirsten um, 
says, you know, maybe my dad could help. Maybe my dad knows people. Maybe he could help you, which again, I don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I said, this is when I had to note about Luke shows up to the party. He's drunk. Kirsten and Haley are hanging out at the grand opening party. Kirsten asks Haley about her romantic life. But now all she does is talk about Tate. She immediately goes to Tate. How? Okay. Maybe this is the same question that Chelsea had, but how do they have alcohol at this party? Because I understand, like... I, from my understanding... Okay, go ahead. Well, because at first I was... This This is how my... The, the stupid train of reasoning that my brain went through. I was like, wait, how do they have alcohol at the party if they don't have a liquor license? And then I was like, oh, wait. No, I just see beer and champagne. But then I also saw that they're... And I, that's not what it means. But, I mean, they had bottles and everything there. And how are they serving at this party? So from my understanding... Because he said that it was temporary. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I didn't even get that part. My, from my understanding yeah. is this was not the grand opening. This was the soft opening because they said tomorrow night, tomorrow we're opening. It so was. It like, was the family and friends one. Which um, I feel like in those situations you could get, you can just hire bartenders, like private bartenders who have liquor licenses. And okay. They sh- I think they can right. serve in those situations. Yeah, that makes I think. sense. And because it was friends and family, that's why it was appropriate for Caleb to propose and it wasn't just like a bunch of strangers. Even better point. And yeah. they did say they, um, yeah, oh, they, they granted us a temporary, but now they've banned, like there's like a throwaway line in there that explains it. Yeah. Um, so Tate's doting, or I'm sorry, Haley's doting about Tate. Um, the Nana's meatloaf has defeated Tate's meatloaf. Um, back to what Chelsea said earlier, I wrote this music fucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Luke is is coming into the party. He's coming in hot. Right when Caleb proposes, Luke comes in. Luke tries to fight Ryan. What home? That's what we said, all that stuff. So the proposal happens. And like you said, there's this great moment where everyone, there's great facial expressions. There's also a scene where they just kind of all have conversations about mm-hmm. it, about how weird it is. And like Kirsten's getting drunk and Tate is not, but then he's like, actually, no, I want to drink as well. My ex-wife is now marrying my ex-girlfriend's father. Like it's a whole mm-hmm. weird situation. And um, Kirsten is just getting drunk and it's awesome. She's getting very drunk. Um, Sandy calls, as we call him Tate, obviously his name in the show is Jimmy. Sandy calls him Jimbo, which I love. Um, <laughs> Sandy finally tells Tate the deal. It was like, we can't do this because of you. You're kind of the problem here. I was like, he was really real with Tate here. They love each other. Um, <laughs> then because he, he told him about Caleb, he's like, I would not do this basically for anyone else, but because it's you and I love you. He didn't say that, but in my head, in my head, canon, he says that we're going to get, we're going to get Caleb on board. Julie's planning a wedding. Kirsten's hung over. Kirsten tells Julie about Luke. Uh, since Seth makes the faces, uh, Caleb cannot actually help the the boys. Um, he goes to the bar, he gets a Bloody Mary, and he offers to buy the bar from them so that he can then use it as leverage against Marissa. And that is the episode. Did, what did I miss? Nothing that I could tell. Boom, we did it. I I had a stupid question that kind of answered itself, and at the time it felt poignant. How poignant. do you say that? Poignant? Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Poignant. Absurd. Poignant? It's one of those words that you, you, read a, you read a lot, but you never say out loud, so whenever you say it, you like question mm-hmm. yourself. <laughs> Um, but I, my question was just like, why does Caleb want to marry Julie that bad? And I guess the Occam's razor is because he loves her, but it just seems really messy. And I was kind of, you know, is he really, did he really like fall in love and want to adopt her two girls and live with teenagers again? Like, I just, I, I want to know what changed in his mind um, well, from the time easy, they broke I up think until she, now. She's hot. Well, I guess he's had hotter girls, though. He had the other woman. We don't ever know what happened with him and the hot girl. Because there's nothing more attractive than someone mm-hmm. in their 30s with slight mental problems. 
That's actually facts. Like, yeah, but, I'm deep into that all the but time. Chelsea, I'm so excited that you introduced Occam's Razor into this podcast. Who would you? What weapon would you rather have, Chekhov's gun or Occam's Razor? Dylan, you did this exact same joke. I before. did. I've edited this out more than <laughs> once. I am out of material. Oh, but what? But seriously, what did you say? I can't remember. You said first of all, you said Dylan. You made the joke of Occam's gun or Chekhov's razor, which was so funny. I took it out of the episode. <laughs> See, this is the thing. Is if, I'll leave it in. I'm leaving all this oh in Oh, God. If my jokes in. are too funny, Ryan takes them out. <laughs> what you guys don't know yeah. is this is like... You're, this is like Chelsea's the funniest person on this show because I edit Dylan all the way out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You just Occam Razor oh. both of us in the throat. <laughs> See? There she goes again. Oh... <laughs> Well, I hope that everyone enjoyed this episode, oh this disc, this disc of two characters who could not be more different, mm-hmm. but also who could not be more alike. The Tate, the double disc, double disc. Uh, the Tate and Julie disc. Um, but and I hope your 2021 is going well. We're still recording this in 2020, as we said before. Oh, God. Great point. It is. It's been 2021 for weeks when you're yeah, hearing I hope this. It's going great. Hope you uh I know. I hope it's going great. I hope it's better than mm-hmm. 2020. We were all kind of talking earlier about what just like a shit yeah. year this mm-hmm. has been. And I don't know about you guys. I'm so ready to just like I, for start one, I'm really era. excited that uh, it has now been proven that the COVID vaccine does not turn you into alligators. Um, so we can now rest that yeah. theory. Um, but re- remember, mm-hmm. if you're really enjoying your time here, um, one of the best. How could you Yeah, not? how could you? Well, we we have so many great jokes that we don't repeat. Is Biden I think president so. now? No. I think he is. Wait. This will be the second week of January, I think. Oh yeah. Well. Oh okay. We'll we'll, we'll see out. what happens. One day but, closer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but if, if, if you know, while you're waiting for uh, for 2021 to really begin, while you're waiting in line for your vaccine, remember one of the best ways that you can help this podcast is by uh, giving us a rating, giving us a review, and uh, letting us know what you like and what you don't like. Um, actually, the only time someone has said something they don't like um, was about me, and so I'm aware that I'm opening up Pandora's jar. It is a jar, not a box. Um, and saying, write the reviews, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. But regardless, thank you for, uh, thank you for listening. Follow us on, uh, Cohen's pod on Instagram or, uh, give us a shout at Cohen's pod at gmail.com. We'd love to chit chat. We'd love to engage with you. Um, we'd love to hear some of your questions too. Like we're really curious on, um, how you think Luke found them in Chino. Just send us all your Luke theories, man. I just want to talk about Luke. I'll answer any and all queries about Luke. I love that guy. I'm sad he's gone. And we joked earlier about when we get to season two, we're going to uh, like try to get like if Luke was in the episode, what he would have done. And I feel like we need to really make that a segment when we get there. And to make it abundantly clear, I oh want to be clear gosh. to all zero of you that have emailed us. If you email us, <laughs> there's a very likely chance that we will read it on the air. So if you're a megalomaniac like I am, this is a great opportunity mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Or if you send us like an Instagram message, we're, we're in the inbox. You can slide into our DMs. That's it. We did it. We got through four more episodes of the OC. We only have three more. We only have three more episodes, right? We only have um, one five, more six, episode. 26. Podcast, one more podcast episode. Yeah, one more. Season. Yeah, just one of more. Of season one. Oh my God, guys! Mm. This is the penultimate episode of the season. I didn't even realize this. We didn't put enough emphasis on so this. I Holy am, shit! Guys. Okay. Well, we'll be back oh. next week with your season finale episodes 25, 26, and twenty seven of the OC season one. We'll see you then. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, later, guys. skaters. Mm-hmm.